All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. Uh, this should be a pretty interesting slash offensive episode. Um, I have been recently, what was it, three months ago, I bought a fourth headset. I can run up to four on this recording. And today five people showed up. And today up. five, the first <laughs> time I've even had the chance to use all four or five people show up. We have, uh, I guess clockwise, myself, Mr. Trevor Embry, who has a slight southern accent. <laughs> a little bit. Um, Mr. Mookie, Dr. Frank Schultz, and Matt Herkstroder are back again, so this could get a little interesting. Boys? I listened to your last one. This might not be as interesting as you getting all fired up. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had to use... Sometimes using kid gloves sucks, but I guess that's part of being a mature adult, is not just saying whatever the first impulse is. Yeah, it's kind of fun, though. I'll get there someday. It is kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, um, more or less open open forum, though. This is a safe, this is a safe space <laughs> for us. Um, I was going to, going to, I just got an email the other day. We can open this up with this one. Um, guy from, uh, named Dan emailed me. Um, so I'm an, I'm an ex-Alaska resident. I was born in August. I was born in 85 in Fairbanks, lived 20 years in Delta or outside of Delta, um, left the state at 20. Um, I'd love to know why after 20 years of living in the bush, I can't come back to my place of birth and hunt brown bears and or goats or sheep. Um, just seems counterintuitive. Um, um, basically goes on, you know, so wanted to kind of address this question. It's kind of an interesting one. There's Wait a minute. A so he's a non-resident now? Now, yeah. But he wants to just come up here and hunt. Yeah. And he, and he says that he, he comes up every year and hunts moose and stuff, but it's kind of, well, not not super happy about not being able to hunt sheep or brown bears or goats. Um, so, uh, and that there's a lot of different um, aspects to that. I don't know. I guess my initial take is like you got to, the resident non-resident line you got to you got to draw a line somewhere and you know we can get into that side but also there is the guide requirement and different people have a lot of different opinions on on that you know um i guess we can hit that one or we, let's hit the not the resident non-resident one first i think uh i tell everybody that ever asked me any questions about hunting up here and oh you need a guide for this guide for that but not for other animals like if you want to shoot animals up here move up here for a year you know if you're that into it and you really want to hunt these animals up here and you don't want to pay for a guide move to alaska it's cut and dry that's a lot simple of people do like exactly yeah, and no, yeah, Trevor's one of them guys. I moved here four years ago because of that. Yeah, there I, you go. I wanted to hunt the species I would not be able to afford to hunt, so I moved. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. <laughs> and this state is like open season for non-res too. I mean, even on the guided species, like forty percent of the sheep killed in Alaska are killed by non-res. And granted, you have to pay a guide, but mm-hmm. most states cap tags at like 10 to 15 percent allotments for non-residents alaska is pretty much open season for almost all the species where you can come here and hunt every year if you want so um yeah it's not much i don't know sounds cold but i don't have much sympathy (laughs) right you know and i guess the aspect my initial thing it's it's kind of a you got to draw the line somewhere you know 
there's not a lot, you know, at some point it's a choice to leave, you know, just the way I see it, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, it's, it's a choice to leave. I guess the exception to that is if you're, if you're a resident and you, uh, Frank's shuffling or shuffling around mics. Um, <laughs> if you're a resident and you know, you're in the middle an active duty military member and you get deployed or, or stationed somewhere else, you can keep your residency, but moving somewhere else and claiming residency there, I mean, it's just kind of part of the game. You forfeit the benefits of living here when you don't live here anymore. I don't know. I think, I think it would be something that would be horribly abused even already is abused by, you know, I've run into guys that are, you know, active duty military that have no intention of ever moving back, you know, kind of career guys, but want to, you know, they, they got stationed here, attained residency and keep the residency until the very bitter end, you know, when they get out of the military and have to settle down, which that's, yeah, it's a loophole, you know, but I just think that if it's if it was a matter of oh you know you you born were born here or lived you got to be a resident somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? You guys are way too quiet. <laughs> I agree. Not about quiet being part. quiet. Simple words. <laughs> Not yeah, about simple being man. quiet. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but uh yeah, and I guess more directly he's talking about the the sheep and goats and brown bears and stuff. That's kind of a whole nother can of worms. I've thought sometimes, you know, and we were just talking, I think that, that that requirement basically is to help the guiding outfitting industry. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's, you know, you'll you'll hear it thrown around that it's for safety, but eh, in, in some cases that's true. But, you know, in general, like there's a lot of very capable people who I know would appreciate the opportunity to come come hunt up here i think what he meant with that email though was like you know he had lived here for 20 years he you know was invested here etc had done it before and then you know you you move away and then all of a sudden you forfeit all your your rights that you would have had just the year prior you know what i mean yeah so and and it's a tough thing so that's different i think than a non-resident that never lived in alaska thinking that they should be able to come up here and hunt etc the way he was, I think, you know, I read it, and the way I I think his issue was that, hey, I've lived here for 20 years, yeah. but I move away, and now all of a sudden I can't do the same thing I was just doing. Yeah, and that's, it's a tough thing. I think that plays more in, you know, kind of points out some of the the part that, 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 that those rules are made a lot to help the guiding industry, which right or wrong, agree or disagree, it's, you know, I think that's probably a lot of what it was because you know a guy like that would be completely competent and and as well people that don't live here would be it's not not an easy situation but i don't know in my mind it's like you gotta you gotta draw the line somewhere i grew up in colorado i can't i can't expect to reap the even though i was there for you know almost 20 years you can't i can't expect to reap the benefits of living there when i don't choose to live there anymore so I don't know. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I I go back to Kentucky to hunt whitetails and pay like three hundred dollars for a non-res tag. Now, I yeah. lived there my whole life until I moved up here, and yeah, it is what it is. And I moved here for a reason. But yeah, if you wanted to address it, you'd have to cap it. I mean, there's like you were talking about, you can't have 
general tags for doll sheep and not have a guide requirement. Like, there's no way it would be feasible. Yeah, I think demand. you know, and and sometimes I, I've thought that it would be it would be good to eliminate the guide requirement for at least some things, but you know, obviously with that you would have to have a specific cap of of tags. It'd have know, to be a statewide be, draw. Be all yeah. draw. For, I'm kind of surprised that moose is. You don't need a guide for moose. Yeah, as a non-resident. What do you th- just because you think you know because the sheer most people have no idea what they're getting into no, dealing with it's one. like all of a sudden things land there in the middle of a bog or swamp or something half underwater and some dude from Alabama's like yeah I got a moose <laughs> holy shit yeah. <laughs> it's underwater you know it's like there's a lot to it you know oh, a lot yeah. of these other animals it's not so much but moose is not easy to deal with a lot no. of times they don't die in good spots a lot. No, they, yeah. So. Just holy shit, what we get ourselves into? But that does, that surprises me. That, like, non-residents can just come up here and hunt moose. It's slowly being kind of, not circumvented, but changed in some areas. Like, draw tags and stuff. Like, there's certain areas out of cots that used to have 24 non-res draw tags. And then, through legislation, they get it passed where they split it off 12 or for the guide pool and 12 or for non-guided draw tags. And they're not even guide specific animals same with black bear down in southeast like mm-hmm. you got to draw to go to prince of wells and hunt but if you wanted to pay an outfitter or guide then you can just get a registration tag gotcha um so see that's that's another like bone of contention yeah man. you know on a fog knack east or west either one of those tags you got a better chance of drawing it as a non-resident than a resident then you do as a resident yeah although i know I know a guy all that's... All the Kodiak tags, yeah, Nick's adding in. He's, I, I know a guy that's drawing that, a Fognac East, brown bear, resident, guy lives here, and he lives in North Pole, two times in three years. Man. And he's been both times, no bear, but he continues to go, you know, he's yeah, like, and yeah. I'll keep putting in, yeah. is what his comment is. He's like, I know they're there, and I know that, you know, I want one. Mm-hmm. So, and I was like, man, you're lucky. That's impressive. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one of my buddies, and that's that's a tough a tough area to hunt on your own. You know, I mean the guys oh, at the yeah. lodge they're just set up, tuned into that, yeah, to effectively hunting that country. And he was going to a cabin, you yeah. know, in one of those state cabins, and you know, then you're either walking or you're gonna, you know, where he's going, he's gonna paddle, yep, away from the cabin, and you're still. You know, you're limited on where you can go and what you can do. It's all, you know, it's heavily forested or it's clear cut and just a 10 foot deep mess of shit you can't walk into. So, yeah, those are hard tags to draw. And I was surprised that he's got them twice. I'm I'm like, keep going, man. Get it. (laughs) Yeah. One other, since it's the theme of the podcast seems to be just residents bitching about how it is we'll uh, continue the theme here another point of contention i've always had is the i like the next of kin rule that you can hunt with family members but i think it's insane that those tags in the draw pool come out of residence i don't know if anybody everybody knew that or not but that well because they're they're shot on that tag right no they draw their own tag so if you put in like your brother lives in wyoming uh you put him in for a draw tag for say kodiak brown bear or whatever um if he draws it comes out of the resident pool of tags it doesn't come out of the 
non-resident tag because to put in for the non-resident pool, you have, you have to, to have, have a guide, guide contract. Yeah. contract yeah. And it's just crazy to me that the state doesn't have non-resident tags and resident tags. They have non-residents pulling resident tags out of the draw. And See, I didn't know that. That gives me yeah. a little bit of a bullshitty vibe. But yeah. without the draw, <laughs> you're forfeiting... So if I wanted my brother to come up here and sheep hunt, he's shooting on your at tag. At this right? point in time, I forfeit my sheep tag. That was proposed. I don't think that's the law, though. I think oh, it was really? one of the proposals that they didn't pass. I think it was for maybe one year, maybe. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, they proposed that, and they also proposed residents going to like a. I heard one proposal. They were like splitting the alphabet, basically like A through M. Hunts yeah, even years and M through shit. Z hunts the odd years and it's like oh so I can't hunt with my buddy because we're not in the same like stack of the alphabet. Wow, I've never hunted with Tyler, but E and F, I guess we'd start hunting together. Yeah, if they passed it. No, <laughs> oh, you you see some wacky proposals, huh? You know, like the the one. Well, that's where good. I'm glad that that changed because I tried to get my brother to come up here and. Shoot a sheep, and then I told him he's out of luck when they changed that to I had to forfeit my tag. I was like, You're not coming now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. My, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so that was that was a good one to get out of there. But what was I going about? My the bullshitty vibe. Oh yeah, the those tags coming out of the resident pool. And see, I back when all this, you know, they went to like one for sheep one every four years for non-residents and then for a year they they initially had it to where when you went with next to kin the next kin had to burn their tag too yeah it counted against their their so and in some of the research into that i was kind of shocked and i don't remember the number but uh, by the amount of next of kin non-residents that are coming to hunt stuff like that and maybe that's not a direct reflection on the draws like the same percentage or like large amount on the draws, but it's like how many draw tags are going to non-residents that that are just next of kin. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's sectional. There's not we have over-the-counter tags for almost every species up here, so it's not like it's a huge deal. But some of the draw tags, like the one you just pulled this last year, they're yeah. super super hard to to get. So like by the odds, I should never ever draw it in my lifetime. Right, and but if and we still put in for like like I put in for Delta again. <laughs> what? And I talked to guys that have drawn that tag like six times. I can hear him. I that think Delta tag. Yeah, yeah. Frank's like you know, knows guys that have drawn it like six times, like multiple times. It's like, what are you kidding? It's less than one percent chance of drawing. I should be able to, you know, in a hundred years of putting in for that tag, I should draw it once. I think that's and we why. still put in for it every year. <laughs> I think that's why Nick just grabbed the mic. And we're sitting next to somebody that has a golden horseshoe when it comes to the draws. Asshole. <laughs> I have been lucky. Uh, I have I been lucky. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, new high score. What's that mean? Did I break something? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Brown bear two years in a row. Would you draw two of those goat tags? Had, uh, the Chugach goat tags? two Chugach goat tags. Uh, I've drawn two moose tags. I've drawn um, two brown bear tags, yeah. And then I drew... Um, what else did I draw? I've drawn two th- or three tags every year I've put in. I've last. drawn three <laughs> tags in 15 years. No, take that back. Four. The other tag was that North Slope Grizzly tag 
Oh, and I I drew it, and then that year it went I get this letter. Oh, they opened deal. it up for everybody. <laughs> oh, here's your five dollars back. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that's funny. Did I you buy a beer at least? Elk three years in a row. Frank drew a Fognac elk three years in a row. You must not have been successful, huh? I've put in for it ever since and haven't drawn it one time. <laughs> three years in a row, I've got done, deal, and then nothing. And I've put in consecutively every single year for it. Jeez. I think that a lot more people put in for that. Yeah. that I think that's a lot of it, too, is some of those hunts. I'm not saying all of them, but like that one especially, probably. Yeah. There's more people now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Those tags, I always wonder, like, there's the percentage of people that don't even hunt them, but what's the percentage of people that truly, truly hunt them instead of showing up for a day or two and being like, yeah. holy yeah. shit, this Fuck is not... this. <laughs> these elk are big as moose. Over the counter in November. Yeah. Like, whatever the quota that they don't fill after, after the first draw... It goes into just over the counter, and I think it's in November yeah. sometime. I've got one of those. Over the I've got one of those over the counter. Yeah, but they've not. It everything changes because the first draw that September twenty fifth, they're in the rut. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know on the on the uh, west side of the island, they're over there. It's all open, which is where the majority of people go. And then I always hunted on the northeast side of the island, but um. It, once it goes into that over-the-counter tag, they disperse. They, like, break up into smaller groups, and they, like, get into the timber more, and it's a lot harder. I think that the numbers in that second hunt, that they don't – there's not a whole lot of elk that are actually harvested yeah. later on in the season. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm about as hardcore as it gets when it comes to hunting, and that's the only species I do not apply for in Alaska after I looked into <laughs> it. I'm like – Hail to the no. I do not <laughs> I don't have much interest in doing raspberry or f- a fog nag. It's just so thick yeah. and so tough. It can, and I want to bow hunt them, and it's just like, man, well, I don't and, know. You know, I lucked out. I was working down there, and, you know, Roy was like, oh, yeah, just get the tag. I know right where they are. You know, he's been yeah. there. He had been there for 40 years. He was like, this. there's going to be, like, between 18 and 25 animals. They're always right in the same area, and never once did I not – First day, yeah. I shot an elk. Yeah. It's like, go up, there they are, you know, bugle for them. Find, you know, keep bugling, keep bugling, and keep walking. Eventually, either cut tracks or you'll get them to come to you. Yeah. So that one time I had that tag, I only had one day to hunt, and one of the deer hunters we dropped off had heard a, a bull bugling yeah. back there in Back Bay. Mm-hmm. And I spent a whole day back there poking, and I cut their tracks, you know, where they, because they kind of leave a swath. Tore of tore up ground. Oh yeah, it's easy to went like once you get on them. But I, I could never them. never get them get them run down. But I was going to mention, you know, despite despite Trevor's southern accent, he is very well seasoned hunter, and uh, he's not quite like the guy me and Frank ran into. That man, y'all's hardcore. I ain't about that life. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you should have heard me four years ago when I moved up here. I go home now, and they're like, "What are you from Wisconsin? What's going on?" <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> Don't make fun of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Next got some shit to say about that. <laughs> no, my my wife's from Wisconsin originally, and every time she went, she took our our kids back there to visit family and whatnot this spring. And man, she was sounding super 
Super Wisconsin-y when she got back. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the note of uh, accents, my I went to school down in Alabama, yeah. and my roommate down there, uh, or a buddy of mine anyway, he uh, is from North Dakota. And so one of the first weeks we're hanging out, and he was like, hey, man, can you hand me a bag? Big dude, I promise you, it was a five minute conversation to figure out what What he was even telling me. He was like, Hand me a bag, and I'm like, Beg for what? He's like, Beg for my stuff, and I'm like, What do you got to beg for it? Like, begging for anything. And and it was, I was confused. It was a genuine, like, five minute, and finally, he's like, A bag, and he like gets up and goes past me and grabs a bag and points at it. I'm like, That's a bag, it has an A in it, man. Like, (laughs) oh. Tried for yeah, four years to get him funny. to say y'all, and I couldn't do it. And he couldn't never do it. never broke down and said y'all one time. What do they call sack? A lot of people call them bags, like grocery store. Yeah. Like get a sack yeah. for your groceries or whatever up here. Well, I don't know about that one. Where'd you get your toke button on your... Like Frank's got an old man button on his jacket. I got an old man. It's like a little dog team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> toke Alaska. Uh-huh. New hobby. Little pin. It's, it's a long story. Man. <laughs> I collect pins. I was rummaging through debris at an abandoned house, actually. <laughs> I swear to God. Over Labor Day at a party I went to and took. They were like, oh, you should check out this place in the woods behind our place. So we all, it's like the whole party went back there and. It's like building after building after building after building full, like packed full of stuff, totally abandoned. I got this cool like uh, doll sheep, two rams, like this. It's almost almost looks like uh, scrimshaw, like somebody had put it on ivory, but it's plastic, like stamped shit from (laughs) China kind of thing, you know? But I found that and I got a whole bunch of maps of like the Alaska range, old topo maps and stuff. Um and I got this nice pin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was wearing this jacket, so I just put it on there. And, <laughs> and it just stayed. Yeah. I figured there was some kind of story behind that. Yeah. Well, it's like that, like that picture. House. I stole that from out in Tananaw. Don't I was, say you stole it. Somebody gave it to you. Somebody, you borrowed it. Technically, someone just told me to... <laughs> long story short, working a construction job out in Tananaw, and this building they had us in the man camp that they built us a little man camp they uh i see you know some of the guys are digging around the boiler room because they like remod you know did like a cheap poor man's remodel of this building built bedrooms and stuff for all the guys that are out there working and some guys pull this this picture it's a guy packing a sheep off with a recurve off the mountain you know with moonlight moonlight descent is what it's called but i you know they pull that out they're hanging on the wall i'm like man i'd like to have that like what a random place to see that thing. Yeah, and shout so out. Uh, a local lady was um was they was cooked all the dinners and stuff for us and there before I was leaving that job I asked her as I was like, Man, like I'd really like to know who owns that. Like I'd, I'd, I I wanna buy that and bring it back and she's like, Oh no one like no one like had no idea could she's like, just take it, like doesn't belong to anyone, so I'm okay. <laughs> It's a, I mean, it's a really cool picture, but do you know how hard it would be to get a ram head to sit on the top of your backpack <laughs> like that? <laughs> it would be tough. It's a pretty iconic picture. I'll hand the mic to Nick for a second. got to take a pee break. Yeah. So that I'm just sitting here looking at it. I don't think I ever noticed before, but looking at it, it's like, 
damn. It's kind of balancing there. It's, it? Oh, it is totally balancing there. There's like no way to tie any head on any pack ever like that. That's a Keith Apple. Uh, I don't know if yeah. I don't know if he's yeah. the actual artist, but those are the prints that we give away to. Um, it is a Keith Apple print. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is from the Bowhunters. Bow yep. Yeah, yeah. Every year we give one of those away to the guest speaker, and they're all a little different, but mostly with a sheep. And all, all this time, I thought that's where Tyler got it, but apparently not. Oh apparently no, he's he a stole thief. it from Tanner. <laughs> right. <Exactly. laughs> We, we I had, didn't steal it. I was told to steal it, so it was yeah. fine. We had talked about this before, and I was just—I was asking him. I wonder who who actually got it from Tanana. Like where how did it, how did it end up there? Tana, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is a Keith Apple print. Hmm. It's pretty nice. Is that the same print that's on the? Who's the? Tony Russ, is that it? Is that on it, the cover of one of his no, books? No, that's an that actual different? picture. That is? That's a picture. Of, it's on like sheep stocking it's similar to that, though, isn't it? Although, yeah. was it you, Nick, yeah. was saying that that was an old AB8? Were you just talking about, all right, never mind. I was yep. all taking a little piss. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, since we already talked about that. <laughs> no, um, yeah. Plug for ABA. Plug for ABA. Yeah, yeah I actually was, was supposed to... Uh, talk to um or do a podcast i'm supposed to hear pretty soon with frank noska and uh was supposed to do it the other day and i had some some technical issues um and then he had to like fly to tokyo or something so we're gonna link up here here pretty soon here in about six weeks when he's back from mexico yeah <laughs> but yeah he, yeah he's another guy talk about a killingest dude that you could ever imagine yeah, that guy is on another level for sure. Yeah, so many people are like, "Oh yeah, if you got time and money, you can do stuff." I'm like, I know a lot of rich people <laughs> that yeah. cannot get it done with a bow. Yeah, the what on the level that what he does. You know, I and think just the amount of just the amount of like he said he once he, he said it took him a few years to figure it out, and then he killed like like seven or eight sheep in a row with his bow. Like like there's, I wouldn't want to be an animal with that dude after me. No. Yeah. <laughs> Modest year this past year. I think it was like 13 Pope and Young entries in 2018. It's like, okay. I think I have close to that for my life. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, must be dudes named Frank. Something about him, right? Yeah. I'm surprised my, you didn't pipe my, up already. All my I had to entries do it for in you. Pope and Young. <laughs> <laughs> One throat shot black bear. <laughs> I'd be better off with a spear. Start my own book. <laughs> Oh, my favorite part about that was I got it on video. You hear both thrown on the ground. Oh, yeah. I'm not shy to throw my stuff around a little bit every once in a while. I'm typically not. I don't go that route, but after three shots, sometimes you just got to throw some stuff around. Some ground tuning is what they call that, Vent right? out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Taylor, so I think I stepped out a little earlier. You, you may have to tell this story again. Taylor, uh, Taylor, Trevor. I resemble that remark. I resemble that. <laughs> so Trevor is, is kind of famous. He had, he had. In my mind. He had the very famous. He had, he, he was, uh. Shooting sheep out from under Randy Newberg, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh yes, I uh, <clears throat> had some plans for we. I planned a sheep hunt with my buddy, and uh, 
we were going to fly into the Alaska range and he drew the Chugach bow tag. And so I kind of was like, well, okay, I'm going to have to do something else. And yeah. so I uh, just changed it up and thought I'd walk in and find an area and talked to a friend that moved out of state and kind of gave me some pointers on where he went and he'd seen a lot of sheep. And I go in and you can take a four-wheeler in theory up this drain like five miles and uh, I make it maybe a half mile a mile up the drain and the river's flooded or the creek's flooded out and you can't hardly go anywhere so i just abandoned the four-wheeler walk in he'd never my buddy had never even hunted past the the back saddle of that drain like he just kind of had that same main drain the whole time and he Mm -hmm. saw like 150 sheep the year he went i make it all the way to the back saddle i had not seen a sheep yet and i had seen nine other hunters i'm like okay (laughs) i don't know what kind of goat rope show he sent me on but this is not good and uh anyway i keep going past and uh get in a little deeper and i uh, was on a band of eight rams and i set up camp on them and i was setting up for the evening glassing session and turned on some podcast and i think i heard your voice a time or two but then i put on one of randy newberg's podcast and uh yeah he uh walks up to me as i'm glassing <laughs> with his own voice playing and uh you know he's mod- randy's a pretty modest guy so he didn't even like tell me who he was as his voice is playing in the background i shut off the podcast we're talking and he's a good guy and they're walking away and the whole time i think i'm like hallucinating you know you're in the mountains by yourself for like five days you're like man you're starting to see stuff and he starts walking away and i was like hey by the way are you randy newberg he starts laughing like yeah yeah i didn't know if you recognize me and i was like what kind of asshole <laughs> doesn't say that when he hears his own voice playing, man? I was like, you just, t- like, I thought I was hallucinating. <laughs> and had a laugh about it. But, yeah, I ran into him with his guide out on his hunt, and he ended up taking a nicer ram than I did, so I guess he's doing something better than I am. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I got on some rams there, so it was nice. Well, I think I listened to some of that stuff. They didn't have anything bad to say about you, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... They, they had some bad luck. I mean, guide, when you're hunting with a guide, you're restricted to guide use areas. And so mm-hmm. the particular band of rams that we both were on on opening day uh, crossed over behind a glacier, and they were out of their hunting area anyway. So I didn't know where they're hunting. I learned all this after yeah. the hunt. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was on the same band of rams, and uh, I think two were probably legal, but I was a... I still hadn't taken a sheep yet, so I I was pretty nervous to pull them on age. I thought they were eight, maybe nine, but I couldn't guarantee that they were eight, and I just didn't have the balls to do it. So it I, doesn't get any easier. Yeah. <laughs> right, Matt. No. Right, Frank. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same story every year. Yeah. I, I felt a lot better when I got down there and put the hiking stick on him, and he went past the stick. I, yeah. That was when it's like, oh, thank God, I can breathe again. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've said it. It's like unless unless it's like well, pa- the past two years have been kind of the exception for me. The one I shot this year, there was no doubt in my mind. And then same thing with that heavy broom one I got with Frank two years ago. But every other one, it's like, oh, even, you know, even shit, even the day before yours, Frank, it's like spend three hours looking at him at 600 yards on the spot and scope and you know both of us 100 percent consensus still walking up to him you're like oh please don't shrink on me <laughs> oh, the sheep that i shot this year when i was by myself yeah it's like hours two days you know 
And still walking up, I was like, God damn it. Why does this got to feel like I just did something wrong? <laughs> For real, yeah. Like You, you feel know? like you stole a candy bar out of the gas station exactly, walking up to you. You're yeah. like, oh my God, what did I just do? And you get and up there and you're like, oh, you okay. walk, Yeah, exactly. I walk up, set everything down. And I'm like, why am I doubting myself? I've like spent so much time to like confirm this and do it right. And then immediately after pulling the trigger, like... <sighs> What did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Ram, same. You shot with your yeah. bow. That yeah. thing is like 30 years old. <laughs> it's like just stacked rings <laughs> yeah. for days, you know? It's like I looked at the picture of that and I was like, holy smokes. Like, how could you go wrong with this? But, I mean, well, even, and, uh, yeah, you know? fishing, fishing game only put that at eight years old. Right. So that's it, you know? On. I thought it was a little yeah. older, yeah. but. The rings. It's a range. It, it looks like it, but yeah. I got plus I put or it minus it. five years. Yeah. <laughs> plus or minus five years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, like that one, one would be a heartbreaker to get burned on, too, when they're, yeah. if they would be like, come on, what am I supposed to think? Yeah. Well, I, but, like I told you before, they, he even, he looked at that thing a lot. Yeah. I mean, double checking and whatever. I mean, yeah. I still think it's older than eight, but. Yeah, there's one that, yeah, there's one of mine and Frank's, I think, that I think are a little bit older. Your first then, your first one. Well, Skip was like, this is a nine-year-old Ram. Yeah. You know, I fished a game, he was like, oh, that's eight. You know, kind of like <laughs> drawing it out. Oh, yeah, it's eight. And I was like, look, I mean. How many hours did we spend looking at that? You know, and, yeah, exactly. And talking and then, to other guys like Jeremy and Steve. You know, yeah, he was Jer- exactly. You know, because we put it in the tree and then we left again. We put it in the willow. Yeah, and we left to go. You know, get another ram. And those guys had walked up to our camp to see what we had done. And as soon as we came back, Jeremy was like, "Oh yeah, that's eight. Probably nine. Looks, you know, I'd yeah. give it eight or nine. And you know, fishing games. I mean, they did. You know, they said it was eight years old, but. Well, part of and part of that is you know g- generally you got to go by where the rings the real rings are where they should, should be. be. But us, you know, there was you know when we finally made it back to the main airstrip, there was like five or six rams total, and we looked at all of them, and they all had that same short Stop. year. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's well, crazy is you can look at rams from different ranges. And that same year corresponds to a lot of sheep. Like, a lot of sheep that are on my wall have that weird year. Yeah. It may have been that one. I know mine had a weird year that yeah. that cost me a 40-incher. <laughs> well, so he, should have been, he should have been 40, but he's only 38 because that one year was, like, a stagnant growth year. And yeah. it's a legit ring. Dude, I... I I knew too what year it was. I figured it all out. I like sat in my and looked at all the sheep and and like put it through and fi- actually figured out what year it was. Yeah, that that happened. I can't remember now, but it'd it, be interesting was, to know what it is. Uh, it was the same year on it, all the sheep, you know, in two, three different ranges. Yeah, not just in it, one mountain range. In yeah, three different ranges. The same weird year you mean the same growth ring yeah that same not the, like not shorty. the same year so you didn't shoot a couple in one year oh yeah i shot six that year <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's i'm a, just saying you should probably no, clarify no well no, he's, well, he's that's a resident what, yeah that's, 
Oh, yeah, resident. Yeah, resident. <laughs> just like all year long. Well, you can go up north, right? Yeah, you can kill. As long three, as you don't you can kill three. As long as you don't fly in. You, there's right? there's some there's yeah. some very limited options, but you can but go you kill can. three sheep a year. Three yeah. any sheep. You, yeah, you got to walk in. It's a two hundred miles from the road, but you can do it. You can sled in. But yeah. you have to leave. You have to snow machine in from. Well, it's not happening from Arctic Village. Let's just face it. Unless you got relatives there, yeah. or Kaktovik, um, yeah. which even then you're like a hundred well, miles anyway, from the. Back to the yeah. same thing. That year goes through multiple different ranges and multiple different rams over the years, and it's the same whether it's like the fifth year or the thir- third what year, think, whatever what do, it what was. What do you think causes that? Oh, I have no idea. No clue. Just a but bum it's winter, the same late spring, year. Or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they grow during I mean, the summer, so it's got to be spring or summer type. Well, they start, food. I mean, when it throws that fall spring a lot of time, it's like they get a good weather in the spring and then snowstorms or whatever, it gets cold again. So it like slows their growth down, right? I mean, that's the way yeah, I understand it. Yeah, but I guess it. what I'm saying is like if it's on three different sheep, it's a, it's it's it, a winter it's, ring. It's a late spring, yeah. like hard winter ring. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you would get consistent false rings on a sheep on sheep across different ranges from from a weather thing. I think. No. Well, that's, that's what I'm they're not going to be consistent. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, you, is it something if it's the fifth, let's say it's the fifth year, what in that fifth year is causing that? You, yeah, but of course I'm looking at sheep from like this year, the next year, one sheep, but it's like back a year on each yeah. one. I, I got like that weird growth, you know. And I, I think it weird, is. I think it's weather. It so almost year. has to be something with weather, or food, or something. Because like what you're saying, it's an annual. It's not about like year of life. It's like 2013. It's all yeah. It's exactly. the same calendar. Exactly. You kill one in 2016, mm-hmm. and the third back growth ring is short yes and, and, and 17 it's four back and yeah. 18 it's five back kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah <clears throat> i don't know i mean we're all biologists so it's, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> with enough beer i'm definitely a, i'm definitely a biologist <laughs> i'm a pbr biologist we're good to go i don't even know what to say to that well, you had a pretty good you had a pretty good year this year, Trevor. Huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I killed a few animals. I I traveled a lot. I, I'm a hiker. Um, yeah, I like a to hike. Hiker. I like to hike with my bow quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I ended up. I was adding it up the other day. I went on not all my tags, but I ended up being able to hunt eleven different big game species in 2018 in nice. four states and. Took four animals, so you can tell I'm not the best at it yet, but still figuring it out as I go. Um, I uh, had a good start to the season. I took that sheep where Randy punked me, and then... Well, um, that was your first one, right? Yeah, yeah first so. ram. I, I, oh, I took awesome. the rifle for that hunt, and then uh, I'd planned 12 days for that hunt, and I killed it on, I think, the third day of season or fourth, nice. some early in the season. And so I had like seven or eight days left, and... Got back to the truck and got to cell service and was talking to Nick on the phone and I had like a six hour drive back to Anchorage and he's like, What are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't know, man. I thought I was gonna be sheep hunting this whole week and he's like, Well I'm gonna go up to the hall road, you just come up. You know what? Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove overnight, got to Anchorage at like three AM, washed all my clothes, uh took like a two hour nap, booked a flight, and then uh hopped a plane up to Fairbanks and hopped in the truck with him and we went up the hall road and did some caribou hunting and we had 
48 hours of hunting or whatever it was. We had two days. Um, was that where your blow, your bow exploded, Nick? No, that happened early August. Oh. Yeah, he uh, went up early, and they, they'd seen quite a few, and he's like, I'm going to go back up this weekend. You want to come up? And I was like, hell yeah. If I'm not working, I'll go hunting. So um, flew up, and we had a great two days. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah. We got one, one kind of spotty stalk, and then the next group of caribou we came up on were two little meat bulls, like, you know, year two, two-year-old yeah. bulls, and... He's like, you want to shoot one? I was like, ah, man, that's a lot of logistics to get the meat back to Anchorage. I live alone. I got two <laughs> freezers full. Like, I don't need to shoot one that bad. And he's like, well, if I get out and I get my bow and I get in a bow range, I, one of them's going to have to die. Like, if they <laughs> if they allow me to shoot one, I'm going to shoot one. I couldn't, and, uh, I couldn't resist. Yeah, so Nick torched a little meat bull and... We go cut it up, pack it out, and get back to the truck, and we're driving back south, and, and uh, just happened to one of those golden opportunities where perfect lone bull, big bull's walking towards the road by himself, and just one of those it's just perfect oh shit, grab your bow and get out kind of moments, and yeah, bailed out, and um, it was it was yeah, that's like the picture perfect when those caribou up there are walking towards the road from the east side going to the west side, yeah. you are going to get a shot. Yeah, that that if you know how to quick drop yep. somebody off, move away, let them do their thing, you you are going to get a shot. And man, oh man, it worked good. Anyway, it <laughs> was a go rope like, show. Damn it, I just shot, so it's it's his turn. But I'm driving, and it worked out. It worked out great. And then it started fucking raining, and you and you know it, we probably spent what almost two hours before we finally killed that bull and everything. And man, it was pouring rain we're cleaning this bowl and the truck was parked a mile and a half up the fucking hill <laughs> but it worked out really well full disclosure yeah i made a shoulder shot so it was not a it wasn't the picture perfect he didn't even kill. know what kind of broadheads <sighs> rage yeah faradine's gonna love me uh, that was a rage hit but uh but he's dead he didn't go far no yeah he he bedded up 100 yards when i shot yeah. him but uh um had to put another arrow in him and yeah. it was a. Uh, interesting he was stalking him and i was watching and then i could tell that if if the bull got too far away that the, some you know we're gonna have to do something so i drove up past him and then i i ran out into the fucking tundra came around and got like kind of cut him off so the bull was in the middle of us too and i never i never got to shoot i kind of watched him take care of it but if it would have came the other way did you have your compound put back together or was that your stick bow uh, I don't remember. Compound was. that trip. I was using my compound, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't shooting well. I mean, so the, the random like yeah. sidebar, how uh, like would have been assuming you'd have got complete penetration. Where I hit that bull, I I could have had any fixed blade on the head, and I just I made a bad shot. It was just yeah, um, just a little too far. I let him, so he was walking. I let yeah. him, and he stopped when I shot, and so yeah. I just drilled that knuckle on the front shoulder, oh, okay. and yeah, that, nothing would have penetrated. Um, well, I'm not the but, biggest. Yeah, assuming I don't know, maybe I don't know that it would have mattered. I really don't. If even if it would have penetrated, it may not have may have been too far forward. I don't, th- to I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it it made him slow down. He didn't like walking, and yeah. so he he walked like a hundred yards and bedded up, and that's when I was able to get closer yeah. and finish him off. But yeah, it was just a, a you know poor shot. You it happens. It happens every now and then. And you know, well, and I, I don't hide that. You know, <clears throat> it worked out. No, well, no, yeah, and oh, you know that stuff happens, and I think it happens as much with rifles. Because yeah. it does with bows. I sure. mean, whether people want to admit it or not. 
Oh yeah, you should. Dug, I, know, I know I've dug way more bullets out of stuff I've killed with my bow than Brought any archery river, yeah. stuff. Well, you you shoot something four hundred yards away and you walk up and you're like, oh, no blood, I didn't kill it. And they're like, how many of those animals are dead four hundred yards away that you don't yeah. even know? You know, like yeah, yeah. A lot of times you shoot them with a rifle, they don't really react. Well, not a lot of times, but that does happen where you shoot them with a rifle and they don't react like they they were hit. Hell, both the uh, the Sika bucks that we shot with rifles on Kodiak this year, neither one acted like they were hit. They went right back to sniffing those asses, but then fell right over. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, they, moose do that a lot, too. You know, I you bet. Sh- <clears throat> you shoot a moose, and they just kind of they walk. I mean... That's why guys end up <clears throat> sometimes pumping them four or five times, even yeah. though the first one's enough. Yeah, you know, they're dead, but they're... Them. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, well, <laughs> unless you're Frank Schultz... <laughs> you had shooter that doe shoot that doe frank <laughs> that doe frank shot um it was actually uh what it was actually is before we ever went sheep on it was the day after we had been talking because i was like yeah i got it's like i'm i'm kind of looking for a sheep hunting partner this year you know and we're frank and i are kind of feeling each other out i still. remember that year i remember when you guys first went together yeah and we're in and we're sitting there in the lodge after dinner or whatever just downstairs oh yeah we were all gonna everybody we didn't have any clients no yeah. there's no guiding to be done yep so <laughs> we were all like figuring out the plans for deer hunting the next day what we were going to do and and frank you know it just come up i'm like oh well you know i could use you know looking for someone to go sheep hunting with this year and frank had been talking about how he wanted to go sheep hunting so i was like well i'm going hunting with frank tomorrow <laughs> and <clears throat> went and uh he shot this it took doe. forever to find deer like normally yeah. you walk out there and you're like okay which one do you want to shoot yeah and we walked and walked and walked and walked like and walked way past the hydro pond way the hell out there and finally one doe and we were just looking for meat yeah and you were like shoot it and i was like why wait there's more you kept telling me shoot it and i was like hold on there's there's got to be more deer we can both we can shoot two deer if we just wait and find another one yeah and it just happened to be a lone lone deer all by itself nice doe and i remember because i was like Man, if you get a doe, I got a guy that's been wanting a doe cape for years. And I even tried for a couple of years. And <laughs> Not I, the one that I get. <laughs> I, had even, I had even tried to get him a doe cape. There was one time I remember we pulled up and there was a doe and a, bu- and a little buck, you know, a little forky walking through the woods. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot the doe. And uh, while they walked behind some brush, they switched positions. So as soon as, the wrong as, as soon as you know they walked out, boom! And I walk up there, and I was even trying to shoot a doe, and it was a freaking buck. <laughs> so, but a guy that wanted a life size doe cape, and I told Frank this. So I was like, "All right, we get it. You know, we get a doe because it's just three deer. You know, either sex." It's like I got a guy that wants a life size doe cape. I shot it right in the, right between in the head. The eyes. <laughs> Blew the back of its head right off. <laughs> and the best part was <clears throat> we're sitting there gutting that, or you had the guts totally out. They were like eight feet away from the deer. And that deer kicks him right in the right in the stomach, like pretty hard. 
was enough to like so i was like coughed <laughs> i thought it kicked me in the nuts at first i was yeah. like oh my god that could have just ruined my whole afternoon <clears throat> yeah and then I, I mean i remember we had that thing had the thing totally quartered quarters laying there on the bags just like quivering it's different when you shoot i don't know i always my dad growing up, he was always shot deer, white tail in the neck. Yeah. He's like, you don't waste hardly anything. You shoot them like right behind the head. Yeah. They fall down. They're dead. Like, it's over immediately, and you've wasted no meat on the whole animal. And he was always like, you know, we sit in tree stands. They, the deer are close. Yeah. There's no reason to shoot them lungs, heart, anything. If you can shoot them either in the head or like in the spine right behind the head. You're maintaining all the meat. They're shooting nice bucks that way too. Same thing. Or your dad yeah, would shoot No, nice we were just though. shooting deer. We were yeah. putting meat in the freezer when I was a kid. It well, you like, know, what? it was about the first yeah. legal deer that came out was shot, and that's right. what we're eating, kind okay. of thing. There was no, we're looking for a big yeah, buck or anything like that at all. No, so and that and that's how I was raised, you know. And I obviously don't always do that, and. My sheep this year, I shot that in the neck. Yeah. Not on purpose. <laughs> through the horn. <laughs> through the horn neck. in the neck. Not on purpose, you know. But when I was down there shooting a lot of deer, when yeah. I was guiding and stuff, like, I'd say, you know, more than 75% of the deer that I shot, all in the neck. Yeah. I've seen videos. It finishes them, like, oh, yeah. now. Done. It's over. They fall down. They're dead. There's no running around. You know, there's no bullshit to the deal at all. It's over. <laughs> if yeah. you're a good shot, yeah. You just gotta, or, or, yeah. yeah, neck or head. Either you way. you got to be a good shot. It's just a small margin of error on those shots. But yeah. yeah, well, it's either you've totally missed or the thing is laying there in a pile. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, that, that, when I first started, started, um, baiting black bears, well, really like my first year of residency, um, that's, that's how I, I killed a few black bears like that. They come in, and I was right. It was before I started getting back into bow hunting. Rifle in the neck. Rifle in the neck. Wow. Well, that, which <clears throat> you've still never seen that, my eight-foot black bear rug. No, I haven't. I'd like to. It does exist. It's not here. It's not here. No, no it's at my so. uncle's place still. But uh, yeah, I've never seen it. Yet, uh, it doesn't exist. It's a brown bear with like, shoe polish on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even that, even that, that bear, you know, like came in and the first several ones I killed were, I mean, shooting my 30 odd six, all right, at 50 yards, you know, anywhere from, depending on the bait, from 20 to 50 yards. Like, all right, just hold it right behind his ear on the neck and squeeze her off and they don't go anywhere. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some advantage, you know, some, there's definitely a line where it gets to be more of a risky, like blow their jaw off type of shot. Well, yeah, you wouldn't be doing shit like that at, you know, hundreds of yards. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's got to be something that's. Like that video clip, you should probably show me 50 times (laughs) where the dude, he wounded that deer with his bow and it well, goes running kid, out on the beach that kid was just, like Pow, he came out to down. help us and he was just like oh i'm a bow hunter in montana oh i've shot all this stuff and just like he just bragged a lot just ran his fucking mouth and i was just like all right cool man we'll go out one day and you know it'll be easy once we got a day off we go out and shoot a deer so we went out and he wanted to shoot it like 60 yards with his bow and i was like 
whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I kept saying, I was like, the deer's coming off of a peninsula. It's coming right at us. I rattled, and the thing was like, you know, yeah, super you- curious coming right in. And I was like, he starts to draw his bow. And I was like, what are you doing? Just don't draw your bow. Stop moving around. And he's like, well, I can shoot that deer. And I was like, how about you shoot it at like 15 feet yeah. right in front yeah. of us? I was like, stop moving around. Stop doing anything. He's like, well, I, I got a good shot right now. And I was like, well, you're going to have a way better shot if you wait like two minutes. It'll keep coming. They're curious. They don't know. Oh, it's yeah. not like the deer that you're hunting down there in Montana or anything where totally they've seen different. a ton of people. This deer maybe has never even seen a person in its yeah. entire life. It's curious. It'll come right in front of us. Deer yeah. came right up. It was literally 15 feet away, and he shot and shot it through the leg, like so low. It was like shot through its front elbow. And he, you know, I don't think he threw his bow down, but he, after running his mouth for a month, he was very sad. (laughs) He was very sad when my rifle went off. You know, I was like, you know, man, I watch. I always hold my. (laughs) I I, I love. I love this. The way Frank tells (laughs) it, I always. This is what I tell all my clients. I put the crosshairs right where the arrow or the bullet should hit, and if it didn't. Then I squeeze the trigger. <laughs> I don't think a lot of folks know just how uh, killable Sitka bucks really can be. They, they're not like anything like a whitetail. They're nothing, nothing like a mule deer, mm-hmm. nothing like a coos deer. Uh, you know, you can get very close to those deer, especially yeah. the you know middle to end of October and into November. They, man. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so, there's a couple things. You can call them in very close to you right Mm -hmm. and if you know that november that rut yep big dump of snow they get on the beach the way we were hunting them from boats you know i shot the first one i ever killed with a bow was out of the boat and we you know just jumped off on shore and they have no it's it's like they don't register have no idea any danger coming from the water or something it's like some stupid button gets hit yeah, seen some spook every now and then, but uh, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if a guy is coming from the lower 48 and he's a mule deer or whitetail hunter, these deer are not near as spooky, and you don't need to take a 60, 50 yard shot. You can, no way. and you know, yeah, and, and I'm, exactly. you know, if, if I got a mule deer at 50 yards, I'm, you know, I'm probably gonna shoot right. Yeah. Um, but the sick of black tails, you just you don't need to do that. You yeah, what were both the years this year? Like eight yards or something? Yeah, less less than 10. Yeah. I mean, they're both really close. It's, I I grew up hunting whitetail deer in northern Vermont, where there's less than one deer per square mile. Right. Yeah. And those deer that that three quarters of a deer. Yeah. That come <laughs> battle tested that, that, that one mi- in that one square you're sh- mile. You're shooting it. It's they're smart. Yep. They know there's people around. They're super weary, and it's like the hunting that I've done up here. I'm like anybody that can hunt. And consistently kill those deer back there in in northern New England. Those white-tailed deer can come here to Alaska and hunt and harvest. I, I've said anything. for the past couple of years, after I've had a, a few years of hunting up here and a little bit of success and stuff, uh, that uh, hunting in Alaska is easier than anywhere else I've ever hunted. And I get chastised from it, you know, on 
you know, certain people say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. You know, they lived up here their whole life, this or that. But have they hunted but they haven't, anywhere I don't else? know that they've hunted a lot yeah. in the lower 48. And I know that I've hunted all over the lower 48. Mm-hmm. And it is easier hunting up here than it is down there. Yeah. It is just easier. The challenge yeah. is the different. Ca- yeah. challenges totally are different. different. Yes. That is very yeah. true. There are yeah. challenges, and, and those challenges are much different than what I run into in the lower 48 or anybody runs into It's because in you're 48. the research king. If you come up here to hunt just like you do back home, like, oh, I'm just going to go out go hunting like you're, you're not probably happening. not gonna do it yeah. if you are very very good at researching before you ever leave your house of where you're going that's that's when you're gonna have the other thing success is, up here. if you're willing to walk yeah if yeah, you're willing course. to like put miles yeah. on here yep. and that's the other thing that's huge is like getting away you know, like, <laughs> well, you know. And that's your thing. Game density up here is not as, as high as no, lower 48, but no. I still firmly believe that hunting up here is easier. easier. It's just pressure. I, I think it's just all hunting pressure. Yeah. You know, they we're talking about Sitka blacktails, but it's because you're flying into some remote island that there might be two groups of two to three, four guys a year that hunt it, that mm-hmm. ever even land there. Exactly. And the only people that would ever even go there hunt. And so yeah. you, they might've seen eight humans their whole life as right. a four or, or five year old buck. Any. And that's like a right. seasoned buck. Yeah. You know, you know? or so, like the, the bears where we were hunting them this spring. Exactly. Yeah. Good Maybe. point. Like your Never bear, seen. your bear knew we were there. He saw us Didn't care. for in what it was 45 minutes later, you killed him. Yeah, after finally, him, like <laughs> after missing him a couple times. arrows at him, <laughs> turning that tree into a pin. He, he just didn't. <laughs> this, like he knew something yeah. was not right, but he, I don't think I bet that bear had never seen yeah. a person up close ever. Yeah, because well, I mean, we put the baits out and the camera. The first bear that came into the bait ripped the camera down. Like, but two the first hours bear, the first bear that came into the bait yeah. came in. Less than two hours after we put the bait in. Which, that shocked me. Yeah. That shocked me. Amazing. Which, this spring, if we get back up there, I want to, like, bring my predator call. No, when we get back up there. Not if. I don't know that word. What is if? What's the definition? I don't Yeah, we're we're alternating mics and and taking pee breaks and all that stuff. Passing but, uh, the mic down the casting couch. It's all good. I don't know, Matt. You've been sitting there quietly. You got anything to... <laughs> the casting couch. <laughs> oh, this is shit's getting out of control. That's fine. No, I was talk- those bears you're talking about, um, I've noticed that before with areas that aren't yeah. hunted hard, you know, the... I mean, like Frank's bear, you know, he came in and he saw us, and well, he, he gave like a bluff, like a dominant. Yeah. And you know, you know, I probably beat this to death in this podcast. I think he, I think he, the only thing that makes sense is he, he was, was being very dominant. He was in hungry, keeping other that bears bear off was there. Hungry. But but you, yeah, but he was keeping. You know that was mean? his. He was claiming. It's it like, why like, did? Yeah, but you start looking at the pictures, and it's like the bear that ripped the. Camera down was a black bear. All the bears that were shot on the same bait the next night, all black. But bears. see, why that did was... we sit? We sat like three and a half, you know, till like eleven exactly. thirty, and he was the there only was, bear we saw. With all the activity in there, you can call him the dominant bear if you want to. But there was, I bet, ten different bears. Oh yeah, they were hammering on that bait the entire yeah. time that it was there. There was no. Like the dominant bear was, yeah. What you my know, dad trying to show us—they shot he two was in and saw four others I the next night. See, like I know what you're saying, 
Well, maybe, and, and, and I can and I can agree with that, and to a certain extent, in like other places. But I think that there's so many bears there. Well, they found the honey pot. They, I mean, exactly. You, you put the bait there, and, and yeah. they're, they're all kind of figuring out their dominance. And their pecking order. Their pecking order, yeah. exactly. The whole so, area, <coughs> even after whole, we followed the blood trail, like a hundred and whatever yards away that was, there is just like packed down ground hundreds of yards away from the bait where there has been so many bears in a week period Yeah, have come in I mean, we, we knew it. The second we stepped out of the boat. Well, we pulled the boat up, and I was the guy tying the boat off every time we pulled up. And I was like, well, there's bear tracks right here. Like, I don't even have to get off the boat. And there's fresh bear tracks since we've been here yeah. on the ground. Oh, right we, and there. we only left that a week, which, yeah. you know, typically any new bait that I'd put out, I'd give it at least two weeks before even checking it. And this thing was getting clobbered. You know, we shot, Frank shot that bear the first night, then the second night. My old man and Phil each shot a bear and yeah. then saw four other bears at the same time. That they shot. Two of them behind them, two of them in other spots. Yeah. I mean, it was just a freaking zoo, like unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I I want to get up there and, and I, I say this to myself and to some people it would sound super barbaric, but I would like once in my life to know what it feels like to shoot five bears in one sit. Jesus, I won't. I won't do it because well, you know. Be, after a while, it's, it's going to be, be like, flushing. man, I'm going to be. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to. I'm going to remember where all these things ran off and track them. Frank and skin will be in the tent sleeping. Yeah. Tyler will be out there flushing bears. I already decided. I was like, when we go up there next year, I'm not sitting on the ground. Tree stand. See now, I'm all set. You know, on the ground. I, see, I've thought about for. The, I've been thinking for this trip. Um, have you heard of those tree saddles? Fuck. Don't do it. No, yeah. those things are so hard. No. no, I used one back. Nick back said, home. "Fuck that." Yeah, yeah. no, so, they're hor- <laughs> that shit's horrible. They, they work. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe scratch that no. idea. We'll back. I love the idea. I got I haven't couch. tried one. All right, all right. Calm down, everybody. No, you, should, you should take right. this couch. So, uh, <laughs> I've never heard a unanimous no before. We're gonna bring a leather couch. I love it. Nice, Matt. It was it was awkward to say the least. Like. Painful to awkward, and you just use your own words. But okay. yeah, it, I, I love the idea, and I tried one for whitetails. But the whole time, like even the time that it wasn't super uncomfortable, the whole time I'm just like Jesus Christ, like trying to get your bow around. Like you're just you're hugging a tree, and so it's just so counterintuitive to sitting in a tree stand where everything's open, where your back's to the tree. You're hanging instead of like can stand there or sit yeah. there. Yeah. So Nick added in the millenniums or the be- and I have a couple of millennium tree stands yeah. that I've been putting on in one bait. So maybe I need to, and they are like, I don't know. I have very limited tree stand experience. I've got a, I've got a couple different brands, and yeah, they're the most comfortable. Every time the tree saddle thing comes up on the internet, I put this photo and I say it's my grandma when she comes to Kansas to hunt, you know, a deer or whatever. I put her up in a tree saddle. You know what I mean? (laughs) Nick's got this picture he's showing. All right. Well, I guess that, I guess that's, I guess that scratches my idea of the tree saddle up there. Never mind. We'll just back that whole thing. (laughs) Tree stands are too light and too cheap to get nowadays like yeah. they're easy to put up they're you know when i was a kid like taking out a freaking load of plywood and two by sixes and all sort of shit and making our own ladders and stuff and now we you still know, make things a- are aluminum i mean you can but 
these things are so cheap and so light and so easy to put up that it's not, you know, you might as well. What what there, didn't you like about being on the ground? Um, I don't know. I've always hunted when I'm sitting somewhere for a long period of time. I've always been in a tree stand to hunt like that. And even at Tyler's other baits that I've hunted with him, all tree, they're yeah. all, you know, you're in a tree stand and all of them. Well, see, like I've, I've hunted out of my tree stand and I've got a big, nice, built a nice one. Comfortable. You know, it's comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, I improve on it usually every year a little bit, make it better. But like this year, my other bait, we did a blind. Mm-hmm. Because I've wanted to shoot one off the ground. Yeah, that's fun. And I, I like it. A I lot. honestly, I, yeah, I can't say I like it better because I've only did it for the one year. Yeah, but you enjoyed. To it. me, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, get, we had we had bears sniffing the sidewalls yeah. of the blind, and I mean, he stuck his nose right in the zipper of where the door shuts was sniffing, you know, and. Yep. I, I don't know. It's just Bears cool. Ground bind is a lot of fun. The reason why I don't do it anymore is because uh, I can like, see the grizzly thing. Well, that and, but, and I'm hunting with my wife a, a little bit more in the spring too because she likes to bear hunt and I, uh, you know, she's she's shot three or four out of a ground blind. But I feel so much better when we're in grizzly country, in like tree. in a tree. Just no. because, it. Me personally, I don't. It doesn't bother me, but. Well, Right, you know that kind of opened up my eyes for sure. But uh, if I have a choice, I, I think that your your shot selection from a tree stand is is better. Better, yeah. yeah, for sure. That's probably that's true. And yeah. and um, on the ground, I the only thing I don't like about the ground is I cannot see bears coming as quickly yes. as when you're in, in a tree. Hundred yeah. percent visibility. But I love it, and you get away with movement more, in my opinion. If you're yeah. way up in a bears are not hardwired in their brain. They're not looking to up in a tree. In the yeah. trees yeah. like deer and Michigan the, do. The other know? benefit right. of walking hunting. around in the woods, looking <laughs> up in the right. air. The yeah. Bears up here, they do not look up. No. So, yeah, I, I like tree stands just because you get away with more. The best thing about a ground blind is be, that I like is because if, if I'm going to sit for eight or ten hours, which we've done <laughs> many times, it's really nice being in a ground blind for that amount of time instead of in a tree stand. Like you can sit, you can you know you can really relax, you can stand up, stretch, all the stuff that you really can't do in a tree stand. Yeah. I tried to open your eyes to that though. This past spring, you get those Millennium style like sling seat double ladder stands. It's a game changer. When board. I sit in Tyler's Millennium on on your lower bait. Tyler, I do not ever have to stand up. My ass does not get sore. My legs do not get sore. My back Those does not get sore. They're freaking yeah. nice. Yeah. Those are the best stands, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 those sling seat type ladder stands, whether it's big game or millennium, like there's tons yeah. of companies make them, but man, they're so. Well, nice. when I got the, when I got those, see, because that was right. That was the year I started writing for Outdoor Life, okay. and. The editors are like, man, you need anything, let us know. We'll make it happen. So I'm like, freaking poor kid just scrounging on what I can get. I'm like, shit, yeah, we're going to do this upright for, you know, I think I got five tree stands sent to me. And two of them were millennium, were those millenniums that I still use. And they were, at the time, they were the cheapest stand of like, I think I got two millenniums, two summits, and an Ameristep. I think my dad has the Ameristep one, and bears ate the climbed with the tree and ate the seed off of it. But those two those Millennium stands were the cheapest, and, and like I wasn't like yeah, they're the most comfortable. And then it was years later, Nick sat in them. He's like, 
Man, these are the most comfortable tree stands I've ever sat in. You know, I didn't really realize what I had, so I would like to get some more. And I think, I think that I think that trip's going to be. Uh, we're going to. Last year was an experiment, and I think we're going to do it upright this year, and it's going to be some death and just. Was, was the experiment? The year prior was the experiment. Yeah, yeah. The year prior, Tyler was like, "Right over there is where Nick and I went to." Yeah. <laughs> right? She said the same thing. Yep. Yeah, but uh, the bugs were good, though. The bugs were bad. Oh, bad. I've never seen them before. Did you guys have bad bugs this year? They were the in the woods. They were bad, but yeah. where we where we ended up camping, the bugs were not bad because we it was there was a lot of like exposed gravel bar. Yeah. And, it, and it's a spot that you want to be careful about camping because of river level, because at some points it's underwater, but the river in that stage is dropping, mm-hmm. and it was even lower the second trip than when we went the first trip. So, uh, By two feet? Several feet, yeah. yeah maybe two and a half feet. And dropping like while we were up there. Yeah. But, I mean, shit behind camp. <laughs> Remember that, that black bear track? This is the biggest black bear track I've ever seen in my life. Seven was what we measure it like seven and a half inches across the front pad. Yeah. Break. It was huge. Unbelievable. And it was 100% a black bear track. It was right behind where we were camping. On an island. Which the theory behind camping on an island is you're not going to have as many, as many bears. But, I mean, that was a good spot to camp because... You know, far enough away from where we were, we're baiting where it's not gonna, it's not gonna, we weren't so far that it was a pain, you know, pain in the ass. We could easily get there, and in that kind of windblown gravel, you know, the bugs weren't near as bad as they would be if you just set up in the timber somewhere. I know that that's big change for next year is either bringing tarps where I can put tarps over my tent or setting up like. Just go in and clear out a bunch of that alder and willow and stuff. And yeah. Set up in the bushes more because the sh- you know you sit all shade. night and you come back. Well, and you then sit and then like, you fish till five o'clock in the morning, right. and then it's like <laughs> 75, 80 degrees. Like the sun is just baking your tent, and all you want to do is sleep until like noon. You know, and you can't, and you can't because it's so hot. You're just like hundred degrees in your sweat tent and cooking out of your tent. So I think that bringing tarps and like setting up where I can get like, it's great on those islands, but you got to get out of the sun. Yeah, we're gonna have, we'll have to figure something out with that. But I mean, it was a nice spot. You know, we had plenty of driftwood, firewood. Just take. It's amazing, like how comfortable a camp you can have when you bring the old steel and. Yeah, you bring us chainsaw. It chainsaw. Things. All right, let's just knock up all our firewood right now. All this driftwood and stuff like that, but definitely some sort of way to shelter the tents from the sun because we'd get to bed at like after bear hunting and then fishing all night get yeah. to bed at like 6 30 in the morning and wake up at 9 30 just getting torched you can't you can only keep that up for so long but holy shit what it's a fun trip and a little soon to talk about bear baiting boys i'm getting a little well, it's not it's that little, far off here before long, I'm, I'm planning. I'm already planning about it. We gained two two minute two minutes two. and twenty something seconds today. Yeah, we're on a roll. We're on a roll, boys. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, before we get to that, you uh, you got um, got a little. I'm still hoping to get out and catch some cats. Yeah, Nick keeps bugging me. <laughs> freaking busy, man. 
But uh, that's where I'm at. I'm just about to finish. I'll finish the job that I'm working on Monday. So I think that either tomorrow or the next day I'll go put some cat sets out. Hopefully. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, I've still seen a lot of sign. Tons, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. you should be able to pick a bunch up pretty quick. Yeah. Which uh, Trevor was gonna when wanted some cat trap and wisdom. Yeah, yeah, I'm going uh, two weeks from now to put out my first trap line. He said gentleman's line earlier. That's definitely what I'm going to do. It's not going to be long. It's not going to be far. Oh, I got a serious It's not going to be productive, but it will happen. So, Well, it's like anything. You know, you got to have traps out. and Really, lynx are not that hard to catch. That's what I said. If they're in the area, they are not hard to catch. Well, there are lynx everywhere. Well, you shouldn't have. Yeah, so. Even if you screw up, you should still be catching them. I mean, they're. They're, they're the, pretty stupid. Yeah. I'm setting myself up. They're everywhere. So if I don't catch one, it's on me. But <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, there, there's you, definitely no shortage of links over there. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm saying, I'm not, I didn't say you're going to you catch every one stupid? of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have to ask. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. You were asking what's the, the best way to catch a cat. <clears throat> I don't know. You got, snare, you got snares and footholds. Um, I mean, both are just deadly effective. A good way is a snare pin. See, one one interesting one that I haven't tried, granted, but it was Skip told me this. He's like, man, you ever want, you know, a good bait for a for a, a cat snare pin? He's like, you know, how you, a lot of times cook your, your Thanksgiving not to do it. Christmas turkey or whatever in, a, in one of those foil, the disposable foil baking yep. dishes. And then you got all the drippings and stuff in there. He's like, I just crunch that up and throw it in the a bait pen. He's like, I've c- caught him in a snare, choked out dead with that f- with foil in their mouth. It's funny you mentioned that. Me and my buddy, my trapping partner, we've uh, yeah. he started calling them hasty sets. That's, yeah. what, that's what he called <laughs> them. Sets. Literally, he'd have a cat cubby built and like. A minute. I mean, well, that's how you but, get a lot of sets out. Is, well, and and what he would do, he'd use peppermint Yorks patty wrappers, and that's all he'd use. He'd, huh. thro- he'd throw out some. I mean, he'd use lures sometimes too. But I was going to say, what would you do for a Klondike bar? But that's a different. <laughs> well, uh, but I mean, it, and it worked. He caught cat after cat after cat yeah. with that stuff. And I'm like, he goes, I'm telling you, wasting too much time on those sets. You just need to slap them out there. And snares or footholds. Foot Those holds. are yeah, leg holds, just like a cubby set. Yeah, temple. You know, but I was like, because I'm always asking people. It's like, like covered. Show, me, show traps. me what. Show me yeah. what you do. You don't even really have show to do that. Show me how to like do this simply. Temple just like leans up two sticks and then puts two other sticks like this and puts a trap there and takes a little tiny bit of snow and puts it on the pan. Walk away. He's like, you should be like done instantly. You shouldn't be wasting a ton of time. Yeah. So I know. That, I know. When I first, I mean, with my dad, I mean, my dad would get elaborate and I mean, build these fancy cubbies, and you know, it just for one, you catch something, the cubbies tore down anyway. You got to yeah. rebuild it. Mm-hmm. So the least amount of work involved, the more you're going to be able to get out. You know, yeah. or the faster and and. Are you using snares? I've got footholds and snares. I was hoping to oh, use more snares. Yeah. What are those those snares? Cats, their heads are their legs are super long, so their heads are. You know, about I've, knee I've been told, Well, Frank, been you're told, short, so your am, knee high is a little told, different than I've my knee high. I've been told knee high and 
stick. Yeah, yeah, See, to yeah, lift them to get their well, head up. Well, so, so what I do, this is and this is just what I do. I probably set mine a little bit lower, but I have that stick. And the reason I set them lower is, and, and I'm not saying too low because if you're setting rabbit trails, you're going to start catching rabbits if yeah. they're too low. Yeah, I would say I'm probably putting them, you know, thirteen inches. But that's low enough that you could you'd snag a fox or a coyote exactly if, if they and, and that's what that's why I well. do that yeah because and I had I did this year I caught a coyote in a in a set exactly like that hmm. and I my snares too I build my own snares but I they're made so I can use them for fox or lynx yeah I wouldn't target a coyote with them because I'm using I mean I've caught coyotes in those 16th inch snares yeah well Thompson snares. I did this year yeah. and I mean it it killed it deader than heck I mean it it didn't struggle or nothing hmm. but I that's kind of why I do that I don't do it too high I, it's it's a little lower than what they would recommend but I use that yeah. stick and that that is gonna force them to go into that and what what he's Back talking up for about newbies, yeah what's the stick what, are you what talking he's about talking here? about is you set you set your snare loop at a certain height and then you know it's it's in a trail or spot that you think that cat fox coyote whatever wolf's gonna go in you set your loop at a certain height and then you take almost like these minuscule thin sticks it's like a stepping stick and in, in, in footholds that direct their head right through that loop and these sticks will be coming up you know usually under and it's hard to explain on audio i've seen it like sometimes up, sometimes i usually that's what i do is straight straight sometimes yeah. one single stick straight up yeah. i will a lot of times myself do them from the side so you have a clear visible foot path through but these sticks going up and sometimes all the way across just to make that critter lift his chin up above that bottom wire because you want to hook that that snare wire right under his mm. right where the where the jaw meets the throat. I mean, that's the that's the kill, the money zone right there. They, you, all you're trying to do is get them to, to, as they're blowing through there, just lift their chin up a little bit to punch your head right through that, that loop, and then they're dead. Um, well, if you look at, if you're ever going down a snow machine trail and you see where a cat's been going and you watch what they do on these rabbit trails, you know, and that's the one thing I will say about snaring you can put out a lot of snares and, you know, sometimes these rabbit trails disappear, like they'll disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, the rabbits will use them one week and the next week yeah. they won't be using them. Um, but what I do is I try to pick heavily used rabbit trails. Um, cause those cats will walk the, they'll, they'll take the path of least resistance just like any animal and they'll, they will, they'll dive off on a trail, a rabbit trail. And then, they may go into the woods a little bit and then they come back onto the trail, the mm-hmm. snow machine trail again. And some, what I've noticed is the bigger cats, and I say bigger usually because I'm looking at that track. The big toms. Yeah, just like today, I cut one set of cat tracks and they were, it was a small, it was a kitten. Yeah. But where it would dive into these rabbit trails were super tight little holes. Whereas I haven't noticed big cats doing that as much. They'll pick a, 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 it definitely is a uh, an area for them to walk through, like a uh, a funnel. Yeah. But it's typically not like you know where you'll see a whole bunch of snow and these rabbits have been running through this little hole where the spruce limbs are. I've seen where little cats will go through that stuff, but I don't bother setting it because you're going to catch a rabbit there usually. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I also make trails with my own feet. So going off of what these cats do, jumping off the trail, then coming back to the trail, and then going a little bit and going, you know, back and forth, I'll just make my own little loop and I'll set both sides of it usually is how I'll do it. And I mean, those cats, if it's a good trail, they'll go down it usually. And I, the more cats, the better. I mean, if there's a lot in the area. Yeah. You know, yeah, they'll like a lot of times snare in my own trail or snowshoe trail yeah. works great. Um, I noticed that if I run my snow, mo- snow machine. You almost said snowmobile. If I run my sled, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they don't ever walk where the track is. They always walk where the ski, ski is, is. One yeah. side or the oh, other. Shit. They never walk down the middle of the trail. They always walk like right where my ski rides. See, I've seen, always. you know, like, I, like fox and coyotes do that a lot. I've seen, you know, it seems like wolves like right down the middle of the track. Yeah. Typically, or if it's an up, or if it's on a side hill, they'll they'll prefer one or the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and and we'd set we've caught a lot of cats on uh, a snow machine trail snare set, which is kind of a pain in the ass because every time you drive through it, you got to reset gotta the whole thing. Yeah. What I like is those, um, you know, and I I was buying them from Bill Articroft for when he was carrying Dean Wilson Jr.'s. Um, snares that he was making because mm-hmm. I couldn't make them for that. But you know, basically Thompson snare, cat snares are Thompson snare with a 16th inch cable and number 11 wire. You know, with that coil, yeah, that coil. That coil. It's a swivel, basically. Yeah, and a stretch of 11 wire that you all you do is you you wire that 11 wire to your your anchor and then open up the loop all the way and it's the right size and you can use that 11 wire or, or 9 wire for wolf trap wolf snares to position it exactly where you want so sets like that yeah sets off that you can sets like that you can anchor that 11 wire on a willow or whatever right on the edge of the trail and use that to position your loop and then each time you drive through you just got to pull and Move reset your 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 stakes because what you what we would do and we would always set those loops like higher you know maybe 18 inches sometimes off the trail for cats because their their heads are a lot higher than like a fox or a coyote coyote or fox runs with their head real low um but we'd set the loop and then basically block the rest of the trail off with sticks and it's a pain in the ass because yeah. every time you drive well, through there, you got to reset fine. it. But but it forces them through that opening. It forces where you them through there, and you got a lot got got so, a, a lot of cats out of that. When you're doing your footholds for cats, do you anchor the trap right to a tree, or do you have like a drag pole or something? like so that? So I switched to a drag this year, but I still anchor it to a tree. I, so I just wrap it around the tree and yeah. do an overhead knot basically with the chain. Yeah. And then just hook the drag around the tree. Oh, so either they're stuck to the tree or they've unwound it and they take the drag. It would be hard for them to unwind it. I mean, yeah. they could. And the only reason I went to that is it's faster. Yeah. It, you know, when when I would anchor it to the tree, I I still like to anchor. I don't like to use drags like yeah. out where we find them. Where out where the big line is, you know, the the wolves, we can't hardly anchor anything. Yeah. Everything is on a drag and it becomes a real pain in the rear because if you get a snow or something and you have caught something, you can't find it. Yeah. Um, 
so actually my book my trapping partner kind of turned me on to this just using drags and so this year i put drags on everything and i still anchor it but it's not like i'm using a you know, a snap link or and something. At least with where a it's, cat, with a cat, they're, they they don't they're really not struggle get very a lot. Far, well, and know? I don't think they struggle that much. I mean, no, they're, they, they go around a little bit, but they don't really start fighting until. Well, they say an, a, zero, a zero. They say a zero yeah. will hold a cat if you got them by one toe. Yeah. I mean, they're not. They're not. They're not a very strong animal. No, like a not. wolf. You know, a wolf can put a lot of pressure and bend and break stuff. Yep. Whereas well, you, a you cat is just. They're lanky, they're they're tall, and they look big, but there's nothing to them. You were talking about how you got to rebuild, like, once you catch a cat, you got to rebuild your cubby every time because they trash it. Everything's ripped down. And the way I looked at it last year, when like, I'm new at this myself, and the way I looked at it last year was, well, if I'm on a trail Jeez, we got another and I have, jar of whiskey. And I trees <laughs> and I set my cubby on this side, why not run my chain under the trail to a tree over here it's already taut on my trap so when they step in the trap they can never get to the bait they can never even get in the cubby oh you're putting it at in all front, that far so in they, front. they rip around like this or whatever they're going to run immediately if they can't get to the woods on this side they're going to go into the woods yeah. on this side and your cubby is always fine that's no, a pretty I, good idea can I would, get into do you put it. a would, snare in front of the cubby or in no, the cubby? I was thinking his, a foothold his trap, trap is a there. Regular foothold trap in front of the cubby. He's so talking about they, not chaining behind, mm-hmm. not chaining to the tree where the cubby is. In oh, the cubby, yeah, across the trail on the other side. That's you a pretty good the, idea. You set the chain over there, huh. so then the cat comes down the trail, goes to go into your cubby, steps in the trap, gets caught, wants to go for the woods but can't because it's already tight. And it's going to immediately like run yeah. across the so trail it's not into the woods. Your cubby. So it's not going to. So you never have. Once you've built your cubby, you never have to build it again. Well, it's a good I, idea for I me. think it's a good idea. I I would think the only. I think it's more time. That's going to be way more time consuming. It would be, but in the long run, is it more time consuming to than I don't think. Your I don't cubby? think so because I don't think you got to get fancy with your cubby. Right on. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, so you I mean, see some. You see some guys. Their cubbies are super fancy, and, it, and you got to bet that they're spending out an hour, maybe or forty five. Yeah, minutes I building mean, it. the way and I look at it, I don't think you should do. That. I don't think you need to. And the the other thing is, but I don't. This is a little off of that. Mm-hmm. But Trevor, he would probably want to know this. Um, I would set, and this is just me, and I don't do it on every set, but. Cats run in pairs a lot and set snares or a snare by your cubby because a lot of times they'll circle them cubbies too. Yeah, I've so, caught them like so that. So set a snare behind your cubby. If you got a good spot, sometimes you may not, it may not work that way. I mean, this cat I caught here a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago or whatever it was, it was behind, it was, a, this cat had came up to a martin pole, played with my rabbit leg hanging off the martin pole you could see where he was all over under the sneaking pole and of course i didn't have a snare set nowhere there and some I, guys so I, like to set martin set cat snares in the notch underneath where there might where the martin pole comes from the ground to the yeah, tree where they go under that little yep, the triangle there. Through there yeah well this cat he ended up walking off the back side of this pole and i put a i just put a snare next week i had him he had came back and uh, 
But anyway, that's that was a little off the subject as far as the trap thing. I just think, I think if you're not putting out a lot of traps, you can spend that extra time. But when you're starting to when you start doing a lot, it becomes a chore. Yeah, you know, a, doing it's that. It's a balance between efficiency and you know, guys that are put put these running like hundred mile lines type stuff. It's a balance between efficiency and effectiveness. Like they're gonna probably miss some cats, or you know, if you're trapping cats, they're gonna miss some cats that other guys would get. They're being more particular, but. They're cover, also able to cover a lot more country and probably, in the end, have a net benefit Yeah, um, in, in the number of cats they're catching by doing stuff super simple. You know, like we're, you know, the way we trap, we're kind of semi-gentleman trappers when we're, when we're actually out doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I don't make, like, super intricate cubbies, but I also try to block use sticks to block off any it's it's something you can see through and yeah you would see it and most people wouldn't think of it as a cubby but every way but stepping right on that pan is blocked off so a cat comes and one thing that's that's you know my uncle's taught me and seems to be true on your typical cat cubby a lot of guys will put their traps too far off the trail because those cats, you know, in theory, when you set these cubbies on your trail, they're walking down your trail. They either, you know, see the bait or a lot of times you'll have an attractor hanging and they'll they'll take a step or two to look at it. Well, it seems like most cats, you know, a lot of guys, if your trap is off your trail, there's a lot of cats that won't step off the trail to look at it. Well, or I was going to say that, or in the cubby too far. Yeah, that's what guys traps do. In the cubby too they far. stick it way in by the bait don't do that so what what the way we do it is we'll find you know a spruce tree three four feet off the trail maybe at a max probably three feet and uh we'll anchor wire the bait there and you have a grouse wing or whatever hanging off the tree there off the trail a little bit it's not over the trail but build a cubby so that the only way they can get closer to that is from the trail in the way we we were taught and did it was dig a hole and bed that trap to where it's slightly like in a hole slightly lower than the snow level everywhere around it and put all your sticks and stuff in there and clumps of snow to where the only smooth spot to step is right in there and we put that basically halfway into the ski track not not it's like we'd call it a half a step off the trail because you get a lot of cats that won't want to step all the way off the trail, but they'll give you they'll give you half a step. And so I don't know. It seems to work for us everywhere. Where Frank, you know, talk to guys that they like to set their traps on a little mound. Yeah, under their attractor. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, that that mound set actually I think is a pretty good set in certain situations, really, because it forces them to stand on that mound to get the bait. You put the bait high at that point. Yeah. You don't, and it'll catch oh, wolverines wow. too. Wow! That yeah. same bait, that same thing will catch wolverines. I mean, you catch wolverines in a in a lynx cubby as well, but um, I I don't know. There's so many you different know, sets, and I, and and I, I think you got to find what works. And some scenarios may work better for a certain set. You know, those people that picture that I showed you earlier, those people they're all about mounds, and they've been doing it for 
Yeah. Whereas all I've heard is is a depression. Explain and maybe the it's mound. A, so you put your bait up higher, and then and so they have to step on the mound or the stump or whatever it is that you have there. That's the, the easiest way to get up close to that bait, no and it makes shit. sense, yeah. you know. So maybe maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's a matter of of you know, your bait's lower, and you got this nice hole that looks like a perfect spot to step in, or a mound that looks like the obvious spot to step. Whereas you know, maybe a perfectly level spot. It's not as obvious to them. Yeah. You know, I don't have a Lynx's brain, so wow. I don't There's know. There's so much information. It's un- like the whole thing with the two-liter soda bottle. Yeah, yeah, Maybe using the two-liter soda bottle yeah, to I make wolf traps. Wolf traps, I took a two-liter soda bottle, and every foothold that I put in, at the end I'd put, because you've disturbed the ground Yeah, at that point in time. No matter how much you, you, know, you try not to. You're gonna disturb the ground. Even I'd be like in my trailer. I never touch the ground at all. Yep. I climb off the sled into the trailer, and do everything out of the trailer. But after I'm done, I'll take a two-liter soda bottle, and I make impressions all over where I've just disturbed the ground. And the last one I'll do right on the pan of the trap. One, and it looks. I yeah, mean, it basically look blends it all back in. Stuff, and you look at them, and. It looks like a wolf it has just pounded just like that. A wolf trap, yeah, or a track, yeah. So this has been money, boys. Like I'm literally going to start a trapping seminar when I go back to the <laughs> next week. Like, well, there's there's a ton of information. So I mean, trapping much. trapping it can be pretty in depth, you know. No, I've got it figured out. It's it's perfect now. So. <laughs> Hell, you know that. It's, Call it's, me if you need questions answered. <laughs> I know well, people. It cracks me up that people that when they they want to get into trapping and they you know I think it's great, but it's not easy. It's, I think the hardest thing of getting into trapping is finding a place to trap. No, you're you're exactly right. <laughs> no, you're you're because I'd right. love to do it, and and I've I've dabbled in it, you know, a little bit. I've caught a few things since I've been up here, but um, just I I just don't really have a spot that I feel like okay, I can go. Yeah, there, and know. that's the downside up here. As yeah. much country as we, you know, we'll brag on how big, how much land we've got, how big of a state this is. Anywhere that's reasonable, reasonably accessible, pretty much there's already yeah. someone been trapping there for. Since '76 or whatever, yeah. you know. I went by on my way out to go for Christmas to the cabin that I went to. Yeah, I went by a trap line, two two different spots where this guy goes in, and it's ni- established 1972 to 2018. So there's like tree tree across his line kind of thing where he's like don't go in here there's and there's a sign that says this is not for dog mushing this is my trap line i established it in the 70s there's traps in the trail yeah well you gotta figure i mean this state's as big as you know 72 this state's as big as california texas and montana combined and we have four roads yeah, like, <laughs> well, really that's real. just it. There's tons of area of the trap, but it's getting there. You can't get yeah to 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 really spend the time to get. I mean, yeah. if you did, if we didn't have jobs and all that good stuff, you know, then we could. Yeah. We all well, that, we could, but still, would it be bullshit. worth it? You know, you got, it's like you got a rich daddy and a and a super cub yeah. on skis. You can yeah. go do some trapping. Yeah. Well, you could. Well, even that anymore. There's a lot of guys airplane trapping anymore. Um, sure, there are. My buddy Eddie just. 
headed out this weekend when I was playing. He's like, I'm done with the snow machine. I'm going out and I'm going to do all my Martin sets all with my airplane this year. Well, there's guys that, you know, especially it was paying when Martin were, that year when Martin were like 250 bucks pop, you know, guys fly their cub out, make sets at each end of a lake, you know, easy spots to land and go. And, you know, there was a couple guys I heard of that were basically doing it full time as, you know, from dawn till dusk every day. Try, you know, and made a pretty good haul, but you're also burning a lot of gas and stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's hard to make it pay. And with the, with the fly-in, too, you know, my brothers did some of that stuff, and there's no daylight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... Three hours, four hours, yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah I mean, you're far. you're pushing it. Well, well, well that, that right away narrows down to how far you're going to go. Yep. You know? And then you got the weather and everything else. And you get else your airplane t- out there. You know, there's there's spots. You know, I mean, any old timer will tell you of, of however many times he's been out, out and about, and it the bottom dropped out, and all of a sudden it's sixty below, and you can't camp. You never get your airplane started again. Yep. You know, you yeah, you can lose. get into a bad situation real quick if if you're not careful with the airplane trapping. In my yeah. opinion, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's your prediction. I also think that the worst thing for trapping, like for you guys that trap a lot, or guys like me that are hobbyist trappist trappers, you know, I'm like trappist trappist. Yeah, <laughs> you you'd be trapeze. I go on the trapeze. Sometimes, you'd be, you'd be good buddies with that dude that did the old uh, the gun control. I'm in a circus. <laughs> I just I, I'm gonna put out like Lloyd Christmas thirty fucking dress. snares this year. <laughs> Well, 30s but about. if if a guy was trapping that area and I just show up and I come up and I just do it just you know dabble for a couple weekends it'll totally throw him off his game and like somebody else trapping here this is terrible like you know and it, it's just because I'm there five but you're days. not gonna put him on the same line that that well, no no are, but, but yeah he, he'll see my he'll see my sled trail and he'll see traps in and he's like oh man somebody's trapping here but realistically, I'm not hammering an area if I if I go in and trap. And so no, and I don't I don't necessarily think that that's a um, why guys get butt hurt over it. I think it's you know when I grew up was trapping with my dad, and you know we ran about fifty miles a line on a weekend, a Saturday basically, and you can what we would try to do is like we'd trap that line and then we'd let it rest too yeah to try to manage our fur i mean like martin we would look at how many females we were catching yep. compared to males and we try to manage that line and i think what happens and, and this is my opinion but i see it happen all the time around fairbanks and i think it's bad like nick was saying trying to find a spot to trap if you leave your line set for a year there will be somebody on it the next year. Yeah, it, it's like if there's a snowmachine trail, somebody is trapping it. And and, and, and it's it's so hard to try to do the right thing. It comes down to etiquette, and it, it goes right back to bear baiting. If you know someone's baiting a certain spot, you don't go in there and go on right on top of yeah. It. And I, trap, I think trap line and or bear or same, is the same thing with thing. the sheep. You know, with with well, it's anything hunt or, spots or, or whatever. Or any of this like bigger, you know, like Aaron's been talking <laughs> yeah. about, and like. Like apparently, like Joe Rogan was like, didn't get this concept oh, of a, if someone it, showed a you a deal. spot on public land, hey, like don't 
you know, it's like like sheep hunting. Like, all right, you know, like, you know, like I say, I take Frank to a spot. He's not going to just go and like take another buddy there without talking to me. It's no, I just create a Facebook page and tell the whole world. Exactly Frank tells at. the whole world. Right you can see, yeah. Frank's not on Facebook, so I know that's bullshit. You can see both sides stay, stay of it. Stay off. Too. I would just stay off. There, there's a lot of guys too that like if you're, like, it's not worth it. Oh, I hunt the Rocky Mountains. Don't hunt there. You know, like there's yeah. there's some guys that are yeah. too overzealous with it, but then there's also like. Hey, I've, I've got a tree stand 100 yards away. Like, you should probably not do that, man. Like, that's kind of messed up. I know a buddy of mine here in town that put out a trap line a couple years ago. Can you hear that? I think so. I think we can hear it. So, he put out a trap line out, and it was out for a couple weeks. He went back to check it. And every single spot that he had a trap on his line, direct, not, like, staggered or anything, somebody else had come in. He put a sign up said you know i'm trapping here here's my phone number there's no call no nothing trap right across the trail on the other side of the trail everywhere he had a trap there was a trap on the other side of the trail <laughs> well right and, the line. and i i totally would believe that i mean yeah. see there's and that you're coming into like morals ethics all that kind of shit like do you you know walk all over somebody or do you respect people and so many people don't yeah they unfortunately. don't unfortunately they don't you know and it's 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 really tough around when you're anywhere around town, town yeah. and I, when I say around town, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking. Box, I'm talking. Nick. You know, you could go out even fifty uh-huh. miles. We got to hit the hard. And, and I still think that you're gonna be you're gonna be into where other guys are trapping, and that's what makes it hard to try to find a spot for yourself. Right. You know and. I mean, I went, I went through that a lot. You yeah. know, I regret giving up my the trap line I grew up on. You know, yeah, because really I kind of got I ca- you have more time like later on in life. When you have yeah, well, that was it. I just kind of got out of the trap and I didn't trap that much. And then later on in my twenties, again, I started wanting to trap. Yeah. Well, and then I'm looking for a place, and I mean, I hopscotched all over the place for my a friend, my my trapping partner. Now he'd give me a hard time because I'd have, well, yeah, I, I'd be all over the map. I mean, it would take me the whole weekend to go check traps. Oh, I got the little two-mile loop over here. I go check that, and then yeah. I got to load up my sled, and then I got to drive 75 miles this direction and I'm check not, this little that's loop. That's totally you know? me. That's I'm me. Not, I'm not going to say I'm not jealous of those that have a, a good place to trap and everything. You know, in, in some respects I am, but I think more than anything, I I just like going with the guys that know what they're doing, and I don't care to keep nothing i want to go i just want to be outside i want to dry my sled yeah. i want to see what's going well, on i and and you know like most people that would have that same i guess sentiment towards the hunt towards hunting they're probably doing that to get into your spot and, and they'd go back but like when it comes to trapping for me i just want to go ride yeah and so out it's and be outside like, like, enjoy you know, tyler's taken me several times on his line i would think going up there that's rare though own, you know that's I mean? that's rare so most people don't have that but mentality. Temples asked me you know, or, or invited me along. No, I'm saying know, your yeah. mentality, not oh, yeah. them to take you. I see I'm saying. saying like your yeah, mentality. There's, there's a lot of people. Is the rarity. You, yeah. yeah. I just want to ride along and I not ever come go. back here. I yeah. That's go. rare. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, with mm-hmm. Tyler this year, I'm begging him like, let's go get some cat sets out. And the only reason I want to, I just want to go do something. Yeah. yeah. They're talking numbers. I've never caught a cat ever. 
And so this year I'm like, you know, my goal, I'm going to, I'm going to catch a cat. I just think it's going to happen. And they're talking numbers like we're going to do 50 to a hundred cats this year. And I was like, okay, well, uh, (laughs) pump the brakes a little bit. Cause I just want one. (laughs) You ever, you ever seen a cat like that, Matt? No, you were showing me that before. It's it's a pretty one. That blue, blue cat. Yeah. Definitely a pretty cat. Well, all I can say is I think if you got cats around, you're going to catch a cat. Well, again, like a, probably more than one. So I'm a fucking pretty, I'm a genius stupid. now at this point, bud. So it's fine. Like I'm going to have tr- seminars in Anchorage. I'm going <laughs> to I'm really going to teach people how to do this the right way. I'm going to put this on repeat whenever I go back and download the podcast and <laughs> just play it out loud for people, and we're going to be good. Like I, I understand how to teach people how to trap now. I've never trapped, but I'm going to teach them how to trap. You got your trapping boots. I see your yeah. Justin's. I see. You can't <laughs> remind me. Frank was telling us earlier. So you got to break this. This little. I mean, this Fuck. is totally getting off in the fucking weeds. Random. Sometimes. But <laughs> your your story. The dude walking into this winter cabin. So oh, yeah. Frank spent. You guys spent Christmas at this this you know recreational cabin. cabin. Yeah. Tw- uh, how far was it? Well, it's 29 miles to the cabin from... Trail 94 miles round trip. Yeah, 94 miles round trip. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't quite make it, but... Thanks, Google. <laughs> from Trailhead. Um, Yeah, they were 10 miles in, 8 miles in, something like that. Sneakers walking, covered in frost. <laughs> Sneakers. Going, Sneakers. going were, 29 you, miles you were, you in. You were on your way out, right? I was leaving, yeah. Yeah, and I made him a trail. Yeah. I mean, as good as sneakers are when it's 18 below zero. (laughs) Don't talk shit. He had the Steph Curry threes, man. He he was ready to party. He, I mean, he could have jogged, but he was only walking. Yeah, his girlfriend was only a mile back. He had only left her a mile back. She's (laughs) slightly hypothermic, but it's it's no big deal. (laughs) They're fun. What if Matt said there'll be trail markers in the future of the winter? You'll just see their feet sticking out of the snowbank if there was enough snow for a snowbank. But what sane person is walking in here is like, oh man, you got 20 miles at the cabin. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to keep walking. They had been, well, what's. It's summertime. You tell me I got 20 miles to a cabin. I'm like, fuck that. I'm leaving. There was some interesting (laughs) stuff. It's not negative 20. There was some interesting stuff written in the book of people floating down Beaver Creek and running into like serious weather in the summer, like massive rainstorm, and then hiking up and over Fossil Ridge to the cabin that I was at. Weird. And finding the cabin, like, seen it on an old map or something like that some of the stuff that was written in the book was like yeah our map was really horrible but it showed this old cabin here and we ended up hiking over this ridge my wife is 20 weeks pregnant (laughs) and we end up here in june the mosquitoes are horrible we don't know if we're gonna hit the spot or the the spot is what they had hit the button on the spot or if we're gonna try and just Trek back over and get back in the creek again and go to where we originally thought we were going to. And I was like, holy hell, this one's a long, that cabin's a ways away in the summer for being there. Dude, what, what? Yep. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. But I don't get, all right, you're floating down and kind of knowing that country. You're floating down there. 
You need to decide. Weathery and what the fuck would make you want to climb like over, over the top of a <laughs> yeah thirty five hundred foot cabin. ridge? I was like, oh, you up could, and over. You could build a lean to and moss and fire and all that oh, shit. Yeah. Like, or what he could have he could have floated down it. like another quarter mile and like stayed at somebody's cabin. Yeah, <laughs> that's on the river. <laughs> People, I, I, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. People, some wear, people wear sneakers when it's twenty below zero out into the middle of nowhere and, to walk. And Frank's, Frank's not making this shit up. Like you, this is one. Of I the, should have been yeah. like, could you stop for a second so I can take a picture? <laughs> this is one of those times I wish it was like. It's, I feel like it's sport radio. I'm like, oh yeah, long time caller, first time listener. <laughs> but. uh Mr. Tyler is sitting on the casting couch right now, and Frank took over the captain daddy chair. Uh, so <laughs> sometimes you just gotta take control. Frank's You're sitting like, in the captain okay, chair. Okay, now I want you to. <laughs> People thought this is a long podcast, but Frank took over, so now we're going into four hours. So everybody just chill out a little bit. Shit's getting out. Of Tyler's on the Tyler's on the couch. He's he's playing C Street now, so he's he's ready to party. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, at least I killed a lot more sheep than you, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting underneath, like, 12. Like, I feel like if, heaven forbid, I had an earthquake, like, at my place a couple <laughs> weeks ago, I'd be hurting right now. Yeah, speaking of the earthquake. Well, if I, you don't ever get a sheep one year, you just come in here and step in and you just shoot one of these right off the wall. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. I just, I took my rifle, finally. I got one. I'm fucking, I'm a man. <laughs> I got a sheep. <laughs> that probably ruffled some feathers right there but i i really 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 like bow hunting and i wanted to kill a sheep with my bow but after a couple years living here and i was like hell to the no i'm gonna go kill a sheep i'm gonna take my rifle this year I'm like well you know where you're going i'm like yeah like the heaviest hunted trailhead in the state like there's 12 there's 12 trucks there when I get there, and it's three days before season. Like, I'm going to go kill a sheep. Dude. All you got to do is just walk. You just <laughs> sometimes, like, there's... You're right, though, but you're right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dog. Like, sometimes everybody talks about how hard sheep hunting is. It's not, like, it. it it's, it is hard, but it also is just... It's not rocket science. You no, know, no, exactly no. right. It's just, it's high anxiety, and it's high exertion. Like, you just, you the whole time, you're just like... <laughs> Fuck this, man. Why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. And then even when you find a bomber ram, you shoot one. You're just like, oh, hell yeah. And then... Why the fuck did I just do that? <laughs> you're, you're going down to him. And you're just like, oh, man. Like, was this even legal? Like, do I hunt? Do I have a license? What? Where's my license at? Do I have a... I don't even have a tag. Oh, my God. Where's my tag at? And then you get down there and you finally find a ram. You put the stick dust on him, you age him out, you're like, okay, yeah, this is legal. You're confident, you pack him out to your truck, and then you restart the whole process again <laughs> in your truck, right? driving back <laughs> home. And you're yeah. just like, what, what if my what if my trekking pole was crooked? <laughs> like, I bent it on a boulder, you know? And so, like, it just, it bent down, it looked full curl, but it's not. Oh, yeah. So, I, I had, like, seven anxiety. I'm a, Xanax is a bad, bad drug, but. He's a farmer. I really wanted to be. <laughs> he's got access to this stuff. Yeah. 
I, I have access to Xanax as a pharmacist. I've never taken one in my life, but I really wanted one when I shot a sheep. Oh, it's, my God. Yeah. She, it's high stakes, man. Like, that's what Jack Frost told me one time. He said, if sheep hunting, or no, I'm sorry, back this up. Jack said, if, if goat hunting was easy, they would call it sheep hunting. <laughs> oh. And, and I totally subscribe to that. Like, goats live in some terrible places, and they're hard to kill. But they're stupid. But they're stupid. So are sheep. But the only difference is that sheep, you have to kill, like, a very elite <laughs> specimen of the species. Like, yeah. you have to kill an eight-year-old ram yep. that has lived through terrible winters and hunters trying to shoot him when he's sublegal. Like, you, you're upper echelon hunting. But for goats, you just go out, and you're just like, if it doesn't have a kid with it, sucking on its tit, like kill it. <laughs> <laughs> That's that one. <clears throat> that was me. I killed one with a bow. It was a two-year-old Billy. I'm talking like it probably still had milk in its mouth. Like it was, <laughs> it was a very young Billy. But I killed it with my bow, and I was super proud, and I was happy because I was like, I like having a tag where I kill what I want to kill. Man. I'm not told what I have to kill, and so it was. It, like, I like goat hunting better. Than sheep hunting, and so I have zero <laughs> friends left on this podcast. Like Nick, Nick kind of agrees with me a little bit, but the other three guys are probably like, "Yeah, this guy's never coming back." <laughs> He's got a southern drawl, and he talks shit about sheep hunting. Like I don't, I don't like him. Y'all, yeah, uh, I love man. sheep, but I hate sheep hunting, and I feel like that's how all sheep hunters feel. I don't know. I love sheep hunting, and I like the pain that comes along with it but Mr. I, Mr. I know where Mr. you're no acl solo i know where you're coming from it's like well at the end of the at the end of every sheep season i'm like oh next year's gonna be horrible oh it's gonna be so painful again even a year away i'm already like holy shit the build-up has already started yeah. 365 days from now this is all gonna go over again i feel more confident the, now yeah the reason you don't like sheep hunting has nothing to do with doll sheep though yeah but that's a different story <laughs> for different so i uh the reason i don't get mad about alaska draws is because last fall I drew a Colorado bighorn oh, archery geez. tag you Christ with zero points you have to put in an, oh and, I know yeah three put three in, I yeah. put in so <laughs> three years for that tag <laughs> so three years in Colorado to actually draw you the first three years you build a preference point and after that they turn to bonus points and you mm -hmm. have, and that's when you can actually draw once you have three years in the game well <laughs> I so I'm I'm reading a site on both site and or a thread and they were like yeah so if you there's a backdoor method to see if you drew or not before they email you the draw results like you go on the website you check it out and like if your you know your hunt code number or whatever when you look it up is 497 or 4 whatever like it starts with a 4 for a three digit code mm -hmm. that means you got a bonus point and you didn't draw and if it starts with a 5 it means that you drew you got it and so I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'll check it out. And so I went on the website and typed it in, and it said 537 or whatever it was. And I was like, this guy is an absolute idiot. Like, <laughs> he, 
his theory does not hold water. Like I have zero points. There's no way I drew like this guy's, he's a dumbass. And so (laughs) (laughs) I actually, to make myself look even stupider, I got on that thread, put a screenshot of my draw results or the the five, whatever code. And I was like, Hey man, you're spreading false information. (laughs) Uh, I have zero points and I have a 500 code. Obviously I didn't draw. So, uh, you need to find a new algorithm, (laughs) whatever you're working with here. (laughs) And there was like 10 people that sent me a PM or like a private message. And they're like, you drew drew that tag. Like, which one did you put in for? And it gets better. I was so new into the draw game down there. I didn't even know what unit I applied for. (laughs) (laughs) I'd always put in the first three years I put in for the same tag. And uh, last year I have a friend that has a cabin down there and it was in a different unit. And he's like, Hey man, you need to put in for this unit. You'll draw it eventually. And I'm like, dude, like it's like 1% (laughs) It's your best case scenario. Well, so I changed my unit from what I drew the put in for three years and so he asked me, he's like, which one did you put in for? And I was like, I don't even know. Like, it's one of these two, but I, I don't know if I switched to your advice or I kept my original plan. And uh, I switched the year and drew an S12 tag, and I had zero points. And to make it even worse, his sister that owns the cabin with him, that was a huge help to me and helped me glass for sheep and stuff during the season, she's put in as a resident for 20 one years or something whenever oh. i went down there has never drawn and i was like well i drew with zero points as a non-resident i'm sorry and like you know it, there's 10 or 12 tags whatever it is and there's only one non-resident tag like for archery bighorn tags in the entire state of colorado there's five archery non-resident tags so it's not like it's wow. taken a lot but it was just crazy like that i drew and i already had a down deposit on a doll sheep up like a fly-in hunt up here with a pilot and luckily i was friends with him so i called him i was like hey man i need to push it to next year or i'll sell the hunt for you but it's not gonna be me in your plane <laughs> like i gotta go and uh called my boss and he was like yeah you're off the when i had like a 10 day trip plan for doll sheep i was like well and drew a really really cool tag so I need to go August 4th through the 27th. (laughs) (laughs) And and they were like, there's no way. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, um, but I quit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not quitting right now because I want to work till then. I was like, but consider this my two and a half month notice. Like, I'm going August 4th and I'm going to come back in August. And if it don't work for you, then I'll find somewhere else to work. But, like, I got to fucking go. Like, (laughs) yeah. I'm young, but I'll never draw that tag in my life. And so I went down, and and the guy that owned the cabin's like, man, he's sending me pictures all summer, like sheep eating in his yard, like mowing his lawn for him, and just big rams. And I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be cake. I'm gonna kill a ram on like the second day. Go back up to Alaska and actually hunt. And uh, I fly in. It was day 19 before I even saw a legal ram. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, and so you stuck it out. You 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 hunted harder than um, it made it even worse. You had your best year on the haul road up there. Nick was texting me pictures like every other day of these big 
freaking caribou. <laughs> he's like, dude, I've never even seen it like this. Like, I just killed a 400-inch bull. Like, they're just everywhere. Like, you need to get up here. And I'm just like, well, this is day 14, but I'm just going <laughs> to stick it out, man. Like, <laughs> sheep at this point don't exist, but I'm going to stay. No, you really did hunt your ass off. And I, I think a lot of people would have given up way, way before um, what happened on the very last day, which was, like, past day, what, 20? <laughs> It was day 19 when I finally saw a legal ram, and it was like an hour till daylight, so or before the sun went down. So I just bombed. I was glassing from the truck at this point. I gave up. I was like, dude, I'm just done. Like I just, <laughs> I, I had no more miles in me. And so I was glassing down from the road and found a group of rams real low in the timber and bombed over with the truck. And it was so close to dark, I didn't even put on boots. I still had my Crocs on in the truck. So I was like the first person to get an archery. Croc stock. I had an archery <laughs> shot at a bighorn <laughs> sheep when Crocs. And I don't know if I've ever heard that story before. So I got, I got in, and uh, there's a couple rams that were – you have to shoot, I think it's five-eighths in Colorado. Yep. And so there was one ram that was definitely legal, 20 yards, just in the wide open looking at me. And I told everybody, I was like, I'm going to shoot the first legal ram I get a chance to. I don't care. Like, I just want to kill him with my bow. And he was right there. I was like, ah. Because through the tree, I could see this, like, cranker, like, full curl, just big ram. And so I settled, and there was eight rams in this group. And so there was one ram at 30 yards, and he was, I thought, in the open. And I pull back, range him, shoot for 30 and as soon as i shoot the arrow deflects upwards and just skims across his back and i knew at first i i knew it was a bad shot like as soon as i saw the arrow i, I knew it touched him because like i could just see the arrow and i thought at first i like backstrapped him and i was like oh my god this is like a once in a lifetime tag and i made a terrible shot and i get down there i didn't even draw blood like the the air like the hair was just half of a hair follicle you yeah, know like, yeah just shaved off some hair had a little tough and a rubber band and that's what i have with my tag right now like i just scared the shit out of him but <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah i uh i hit oh, some man. sage but you gave it your best effort you really did yeah no, there's not many guys that would put in that that many days before just saying I said I'd never do it again. This. Yeah. I, I just I was like, I'll never do this again. Like the whole time all my buddies up north were having a great time and I was down there and I never even I saw some using lambs and stuff and I was just like, they don't even exist. Like what am I doing yeah. here? Like this is day like there's almost three full weeks <laughs> and I haven't even seen one. Yeah. And well, so it's you know, like Neil, the dude that builds my bows. You know, he had a few years back finally, you know, drawn a, a tag in Montana, and I asked him about it. Oh, well, how, how tough was it to choose? He's like, well, I walked up to like, he's like, it was tough when I was acting like a hunter. It's like after I act yeah. like a hiker, he's like, I walked, he's like, I was sitting 15 yards from this group of rams yeah. before I finally decided, all right, I'm going to shoot that one and stand up and shoot him. Huh. You know, it's and it's all different. It's like he just sent me some pictures of, of uh, those rams on Wild Horse Island, disease. Oh, I made a trip over to the island, and it's where it's where the new world record bighorn yeah. was. And, Wild Horse you know, Island. Throw up most of those photos you see. Yeah, all the, all those photos. Yeah. He's like, you walk right up to them. You know, huh. it's not one of these sheep. That's not even to there that like even in the unit I hunted, there was a video. This uh, I was the year I drew Phil Phillips. The and a lot of guys will remember him from Scent Lock. He always had the camo 
cowboy hat on in the scent lock videos yeah. growing up so uh growing up for me because i'm young a lot of you guys are probably like old as fuck so it doesn't matter but <laughs> <laughs> that's frank <laughs> kicking the balls <laughs> you so when you were in college you remember these videos of this guy college <laughs> credit where credit's not due <laughs> frank didn't go to college <laughs> but so Phil Phillips drew the same tag as me, and he was hunting that same group of rams that I were uh, down. They called them the river rams down in the low country. And so he had seen them twice during the season and didn't get a shot off. And then I spotted them, got in, blew my opportunity, and I deflected off some brush and whatever. So I, he's a super cool guy, though. So I, I called him. I was like, dude, I just shot one. I made a terrible shot like i haven't even looked for my arrow yet i'm pretty sure i backstrapped him if i hit him at all like it's bad so he came up and we went down found my arrow found like where the hair was just cut off like halfway through a hair follicle yeah. like it was, it was didn't even draw blood so i felt better about my shot i'm like well that's good and then phil was like well it's good and bad man like there's five days left of season and <laughs> i've seen him like once in 19 days or twice in 19 days like i'm not gonna see them before the end it's like i'll tell you what i'm just gonna go around this side and like i've talked to a guy said to go up this road and so because i botched the opportunity at the rams he was looking for he abandoned his plan and just totally changed up the game and went around like 40 miles over this way next morning he drives up this road finds some rams gets on them Wind wasn't right, backed out, goes back the next morning, they're still there, and goes and kills them with his bow, and oh, killed like a 160-inch bighorn like with his bow, so, oh, yeah, man. so, it was like, I was like, man, I'm not gonna tell you to thank me, but you should probably thank me for messing <laughs> up, because <laughs> you would have been down there glassing oh, the trees man. that I was, and not seeing anything if if uh, I didn't mess it up on them. That's funny. Man, Christ. yeah, that was, you're almost, I got a half slam. Yeah. Technically, yeah, me that too. one that one was a fan. The one, well, the one we killed in fifteen, or the one I killed in fifteen, that was technically a fan. fan I yeah, I think I reported it as a doll, but man, remember that thing had black hair all running over. all up his legs, yeah, back. I have no shame if I kill one with like it's one hair that's black. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I killed a stone, boys. Yep, <laughs> let's roll with it. Yep. Tyler's a purist. I'm not that. I, I I did report that one. That one is a fanon. Oh yeah. Well, it was actually kind of accident because I emailed. It was you know. It goes back to like our who says who's whose rule book are we going by? Black hair, anything but, but the tail. That one, yeah. When they, I emailed, I was like, ah, I didn't even know it till I got back home and was washing out the cape. I'm like, no, these are like black hairs all the way down to the root. You know, not like like a dirty sheep. You know, they'll be all black, but you part it, and it's white hair underneath. This this one had black hairs running all the way down to the skin. Yep. But you look like you're itching to go, Frank. I gotta roll. He's hey, got eighty nine point right. one so, on the radio. So before you go, Frank, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna go there. No. Okay. Another day. Another day, Frank has a story for us. I uh, I want to call in for the the podcast when it happens because I have a very similar story, yeah. not quite. Well, oh, I I've got a similar story too, man. Like you're with friends here, <laughs> you're with friends here. You can 
Not to throw Frank out the, there. I'll, I don't, I'll tell my story too. Yeah. I don't have one. We don't have to throw him under the bus, but everybody shits themselves every now and then. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Well, I haven't done that, but I, I pissed. I, I pissed my sleeping bag sheep hunting. I've pissed the bed after I got back from sheep hunting. Wow! I've never sold my bed. <laughs> <laughs> if, pi- <laughs> if pissing the bed is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, right Doctor Schultz is out. Keep going. Bring it into hour three. So. <laughs> We'll see. Like it over there? It's pretty comfy nice. on the old casting couch. <laughs> Frank's giving up the daddy's chair. He's walking away with like a, a sunken look. And just <laughs> wrap her up. Yeah, sounds see good. I don't know. Was there any uh, any old anything else? No, I want to. I want to throw out one shout, especially for Alaska Bowhunter Association. I think that if you hunt up here with a bow, you should be a member of Alaska Bowhunter Association. I agree. Um, they do throughout the years a lot of good and a lot of just like good old boys club and i think they're moving in the right direction where it's a lot of both and so and our banquet this year is going to be really 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 good yep we're gonna have a a good banquet lots of uh a throat shot reward lots of good items (laughs) frank gets a throat shot reward (laughs) we do have no wasted meat (laughs) If you kill something with a bow in Alaska, you can submit it for an award. Um, we don't have a separate category for throat shots, but if we did, Frank would have definitely the winning choice. Um, I, I just think that it's a great organization. Frank Noska is the president. You're going to have him on here soon enough yeah. with the podcast, and um, he's in his own category. You know, like you can talk to him about well, it. He's but. he's one of those dudes that you know you see all this bullshit every day on social media. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all the, the, the cool freaking hunters. Well, Frank's a dude that unless you're... Know him. Deeply in circle, know yeah. him in the circle. You would have no idea who the who the hell he is. That dude is the killingest freaking machine I think I'm, I've probably I'm, ever met. I'm fairly confident he's the most efficient bow hunter on the North American continent out of anybody I've yeah. ever met or heard of. Like, it just he's on his own planet. And he'll... He's super humble, so he you'll have to like pull teeth to get him to talk about it whenever you have him on here in a couple of weeks. But yeah, he's just incredible. Yeah, like he is. a slow year, thirteen Pope and Young entries in one calendar year. Like Two it's super just, slams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, this year he just finished just his completed his because when I was talking to him, I was like, oh, you know, you're you're working on your second one, aren't you? He's like, no, I, I'm I'm done. Finished his second super slam he's, with he's, he's with ag- a bow. He's actually. Not very far from having three. I mean, yeah. If yeah. you add it up, like you just people that live in states like Alaska or Montana or somewhere, like he really just needs you a kill handful, multiples of handful of stuff, and he'd have three. Yeah, yeah just incredible guy. But it, he's the president of our club now, ABA, and he's he's he'll talk about it, I'm sure. But he's a great guy. And uh, my second shout out is for myself for my trapping seminars. I'm going to start having next <laughs> week. So. 
again, if you if you li- if you live in Anchorage, come see me, and I will definitely fill you in on how to catch cats. And uh, we haven't delved into wolves yet; like that'll take some more. But if you're a premium subscriber, you can you can definitely. How much does that cost? Well, you just, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. So. This, this may be just a total disaster of a podcast, but I think I'm just going to post it. No, there's today. good stuff. Um, one, and this is totally random. I mean, I kind of should have squeezed it in earlier. It has nothing to do with anything. One funny thing that I noticed, or I, uh, the other day, so I run the Points North Facebook page, and I noticed uh, Will Brantley, who's a field and stream and now outdoor life editor, wrote, wrote an article on crossbows. Now, you know, I think the title of it was, like, Our Crossbows Threatening Our Archery, the the Heritage of Bow Hunting or something like that, and laid out, yes. a, bunch of, laid out a bunch of stuff. I posted, I, like, shared this article, even on the Points North page, holy shit, man, like, there were some guys, it's 100% archery and all that, like, I, you know, I, all right, I think... I, I, I don't think there's any there's nothing inherently wrong with crossbows anything like that we don't deal with it as much up here because it's not Effective, unless you, uh, unless you, you might ha- use a rifle <laughs> unless you have a uh, you know in some of the art you know there's compared to all the opportunities very limited archery only opportunities and you up here you have to to use a crossbow in those archery only you have to have you know a handicap or or something like that which i would never argue against a guy that just wants to participate and cannot shoot a bow anymore or because there's there's guys that just are are injured or handicapped cannot shoot a bow Mm. anymore that want to participate you know all for it 100 percent but guys that are too fucking lazy to learn how to sh- even yeah. shoot a compound bow, able-bodied, able-bodied, like it's not art. It's not the same thing as even shooting a compound. You know, I I like to shoot a traditional bow. I'll get to you, <laughs> Trevor. I'm on a rant here. <laughs> <laughs> I like to shoot a traditional bow. You know, you know, I'll have like, you know, uh, how many times have I given you shit about compounds or whatever? It's all in good yeah, fun. I do both. I mean, but there is, there is. A <laughs> I go both ways. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is a significant difference in, just in the difficulty, skill level, whatever you want to call it, process of shooting even the most advanced compound bow as opposed to a crossbow. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, for the a person that's not handicapped. I just can't see how you could allow them in natural archery seasons. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the folks that I grew up with, uh, looking up to back home in Wisconsin, you know, my, not, uh, my uncle hasn't went, went that way, but, uh, like my dad, his friends, you know, people that kind of taught me how to bow hunt. And, you know, now they all crossbow hunt because it's legal in Wisconsin. Like, even my dad, you know, and I've I've given my dad brand new bows that, you know, I've gotten and I just haven't shot. So, yeah. he, you know, like, nice, he's got he's got good stuff there, but uh, he'd rather go pick up a crossbow, and that's what he's been doing. And, you know, I, I give him shit about it, but at the end of the day, I'm just happy he's outside hunting. But at the same time, it's like, man, like, you're selling yourself short because... You loved to bow hunt. The 
the reason I love to bow hunt is because you loved to bow hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And bow hunting wasn't what what you're doing right now. So now that you re- retired and you have the time and everything, like you can really get into it good. And mm-hmm. and I just feel like he, you know, I feel like he's given up something by doing it. But if he's happy, he's happy. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in in love with what I love doing. Uh, if it wasn't for his love of bow hunting initially, and now he's just picking up the old crossbow and fucking, yeah. you know, I, I think for me personally, it's if you draw the bow in front of the animal, you're bow hunting. If you load the bow before your hunt starts, just like you load a gun, it's it's different. And I understand like there's range limitations and stuff, but I, I personally, for me, I don't think they should be outlawed. There's some stuff. Oops, excuse me. I drank a little too much. <laughs> he's, on his, he's on his second jar of moonshine. <laughs> Bow hunter, jack of all trades. I'm not good at it, but I can make some damn good moonshine. And uh, <laughs> so, if you're if you're going out and you're trying to go with a crossbow, right? So you you realize you have range limitations, like you, yeah. You can't shoot to the range of rifle can, you, and you can shoot past what even a compound can accurately for most people. The process is more, much more like shooting a rifle than it yes. is a bow. And so my thing is, like, I don't understand how there's a lot of people and groups and states that want to outlaw them completely as a, a weapon. Like, you yeah. cannot use crossbows. Yeah, I don't know. Why? If you allow center fires, why the hell would you not allow a crossbow? Yeah. And so, I I'm from Kentucky, so I'm maybe biased, but I think that they structure their season for their they have whitetails and <laughs> they have a limited bear hunt and then turkeys so and elk. That we do have the most elk north or east of the uh, Rocky Mountain Divide, and so. But anyway, Kentucky has a crossbow season. So bow season's usually the like the first weekend of September all the way through like the third weekend of January. It's like a long season for deer. Mm-hmm. If you want a crossbow hunt, it's shortened. And so they have a crossbow season and it's like October ish to through like the first of January or something. It's like it's a very long season. You can go crossbow hunting, but it has its own season. Yeah. They have muzzleloader seasons that are shortened as well and they have center fire rifle season that is very segmented obviously for because of how effective it is well i don't understand how you can say like oh you can't hunt with this but go pick up a rifle and shoot something at 800 yards and you're good to go like you it's like it obviously is a weapon that's effective i just don't think that if you don't have to draw the bow while the animal is in bow range it's just it for me personally it's just different yeah it's you know like I say it's neither good nor bad it's an inanimate object right and i like i wouldn't you know if someone wants to use it and that's the difficulty part the difficult part is how do you say all right this is i mean it's just different than vertical bow hunting it just is there's no way around it but how do you navigate that and and give your you know give a season for that specifically that's fair 
but is not too much. I mean, and the the biggest argument is when you include it in regular bow seasons. Well, regular bow seasons are are made the way they are because of a certain success rate, harvest rate, and a crossbow is a more effective tool for sure across anybody you know across the broad spectrum of people's hands you know it's anybody that has some rifle shooting experience can shoot one, can shoot one effectively and i think it was promoted initially as a uh as a very is like a hunter recruitment tool something to get new hunters in it's easy to pick up and do it and, and i don't think that's invalid but you know part of what brantley's article was talking about was some of the findings are that it seems to be more rifle hunters using crossbows to, to get gain, into to get into bow season. Yes, sure. As well as rifle season, which is only common sense. You you know, it's like yeah, if I can do this, I'm gonna yeah, go and do without it. putting out the effort either. Years ago, when I lived in Kansas, they were fighting this really hard, and um, I was I was way more into the I guess the. Um, fight against uh having crossbows being inclusive in archery season um and i have kind of ever since i moved up here it 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 doesn't affect us up here no not at all we are a unique child and and i'm and i'm glad because it it did cause uh you know unnecessary anxiety on lots of people down in the lower 48 for all the states that they're trying to get it included and stuff you know and people are ultimately i mean we're wasting time we're wasting money trying to figure out if this should be legal or not legal and season structure and everything like that uh, I'm just I'm glad that up here like it it doesn't affect us at all. If somebody wants to use a crossbow, they they can. Uh, we have hunting seasons, right? Yeah, <laughs> use whatever you want. That's and, majority. And that's a, although now they do require a crossbow certification, certification. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. which is good. Right. Yeah, yeah, I just and that's why that's what, what's cool up here. You know, the folks that are bow hunting up here, they're they're, they're choosing to bow hunt because. It's there's not a bow season really. I mean, not, we talked about not earlier. generally. Yeah. There's so some like isolated, very bow isolated. Only. Yeah. yeah, but you know, guys are bow hunting in regular general season hunts. I mean, that's that's pretty cool stuff because they don't need to do that. You, I mean, you can use a rifle. Yeah, you, it's yeah. a different caliber. If you're <laughs> if you can actually not take a rifle with you <laughs> yeah. when you can legally bang one from 400 yards, five, six, hell, a thousand now. But like you know, even if it's 200 yards like historically if you bow hunt like your hunt starts when you get to 200 yards you're like all right how do i get in to killing range of this yeah and it's uh and it's a a little bit different thing up here i'm just totally no you're right though it is different um it's It's totally i guess what i was getting at was in a lot of states especially you know back east where you're from I can totally get being hardcore 100% bow hunter because you have a much more opportunity. Yeah. You know, because it's harder. You get more opportunity. If I was in a lot of places other than here, I would probably be 100% bow hunter. Whereas up here, there, you know, we just have a lot season. of luxuries and hunting seasons that it's like you're actually like, limiting yourself by bow hunting here like really extremely. for sure whereas in a lot of areas you may in in a way be giving yourself more opportunity by bow hunting yeah yeah so you get more seasons down south and also if you talk to most rifle hunters for whitetail realistically we're hunting the big woods and 
you see a deer in bow range, you know, like yeah, a, a, it runs a doe fifty yards from you or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like open area, just free season. Like up here, like if you see a you you'll see a sheep from two or three miles away. Yeah, and you it sometimes take days before you can get. Yeah, I was on a rifle shot at them sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it this way. For the state of Wisconsin, for instance, you have a nine-day gun season, and you have, you know, from the second Saturday or whatever it is in September all the way till sometime the end of December to, that you can bow hunt, right? So by including crossbows, these people that only had, had you know, in the past only hunted nine days of the year yeah. or had the opportunity in those nine days, most of them don't hunt nine days. They hunt one weekend and then the following weekend. Now they can pick up a crossbow and they can go hunt uh, throughout the entire fall alongside other you know guys that are using vertical bows. That 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 doesn't resonate well with the folks that have already been bow hunting you know predominantly. Well, I, I think in his article he was saying something was either Ohio or one of those states was like it's like the majority of deer in archery season are getting killed with crossbows. This now. year, Ohio, I think, was the first time where more deer were killed with a crossbow than a, a vertical bow. I think I read something similar huh. to that. So, I think the way to combat that is you just you make a crossbow season. If you yeah. di- you differentiate that it is different from drawing your bow while the animal's inside of you. Yeah. And so bow hunters don't get butthurt about it like I would. Like you literally, if somebody kills them on the crossbow and they're like, "Oh, it was seven yards," I'm like, "Yeah, that shit was loaded like way before then." Like you just shot it with a rifle, man. It's cool. In a one buck state, I would, I, I think I would kind of agree with that. But in a, in some states where they, they allow two bucks, I would totally disagree because you're you're putting people in and 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 this goes totally against hunter recruitment everything this is selfish but that's my point this. that's why i say but, you do it right but in a two buck state you're you're putting more people in the woods which is like i said it's good for hunter recruitment it's good for people getting out there and doing it but it's also not good for i guess you know myself suicides like hey you know if you're not going to hunt with a bow you i mean i just think you if you can't have like a crutch to, yeah i just I, I personally think that if you can't do it you just don't yeah. and that's that's how i feel anyhow yeah it's, it's needless to say i was pretty pretty surprised by like there was one guy on there that was it's archery you know and i'm like it's super well, mad at we, you. i'm like if we can't agree on a basic thing that it's it's not the same as even the most advanced like compound bow a different yeah. it's a different process then uh, you know where does that leave us you know if it's if it's legal where you're at i don't disparage you you know i may disagree you know say up here you know if we got a big movement to legalize during in these specific archery hunts i may or may not you know fight for my views on it you may you know i don't it's the same thing with with bear baiting you know like oh yeah, like a lot of these guys that are that are pounding crossbows would be dead, you know, dead against shooting a bear over bait, but they really have no idea what's going on. So I try to keep an open mind and, and definitely got to be open minded about it. But it, it, luckily, right now, it doesn't. It's not a huge factor I, yeah. affecting anybody up here in Alaska. I, I look at weapons and tiers. So you have bows, you have stick bows like Tyler, <laughs> you have compound bows. The reason in my mind that it makes sense to loop them together is because you draw your bow at the moment of the shot. Like you're pulling back, you're making movement, you're doing the movement of archery hunting. And then 
Uh, from there, you have crossbows, then you have muzzle loaders, then you have center fire rifles. Alaska, everything's in the same season. You can have a fucking <laughs> 338 Lapua to, down to yeah, a stick ball. bow. Yeah. And so, you, it, you, it doesn't matter what you take, you just go hunting during hunting season. So, up here, it's different. But in lower 48 states, it's, it's not that way. And so, I draw the line where if you draw it, when you're shooting, that's a bow. If you don't draw it when you're shooting, it's just different. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I would definitely agree with that. But yeah. Anyway, we're about started to get the shakes, and I don't think anybody's puking yet. But not yet. No, no, that's why Frank. Left. But <laughs> Frank left. <laughs> no, puke. I don't know. <laughs> now um, we gotta throw him under the bus. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess we probably better tie this thing up before it deteriorates too much. We got beer cans <laughs> everywhere, but. uh no, it's uh, it's been good, been good catching up, and certainly good to to see and cra- catch up with you a little bit, Trevor. Yeah, and, uh, that's good. And uh, and you yeah. too, you too, Matt. Yeah, like us. Yeah. Yeah, we fun. still got to try to get a little bit of archery instruction out tonight. It's well, it's pulling teeth that. to get Matt to talk to us. Like I want him to tell me some shit. I can be quiet sometimes. Yeah, but sometimes I'll talk your ear off. Yeah. Sometimes he Just, will vouch for that. I, yeah. <laughs> No, Matt, like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people like me and Matt, you get together, like, when we could just BS for hours, and then it's hours. Oh, yeah. Well, lots of rabbit trails. Rabbit trails. But that's what's cool. I mean, I I like talking, trapping, (laughs) bow hunting, any of that stuff, really. It's pretty fun. But I'm definitely going to check out your trapping seminar maybe i can pick up a few things well if if you premium subscribers only so (laughs) you gotta was that primus subscribers only my boys in alabama know what i said we better shut this shit down before it gets out of control and hopefully next time here frank shit Uh. is this is is me paying this is me paying tyler back for to call me taylor I did call him Taylor. I apologize. All right. When was that? Uh, All right, everybody. You may have stepped out. All right, everybody. If you uh, have questions, comments, grievances, or otherwise, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thank you.